Support for the Laser Time Network is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, so join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Better yet, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code LASERTIME, one word, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with your code LASERTIME. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. Welcome to episode 416 of Video Game Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Raparez, freshly back from my second COVID shot. Woo! Oh, now the 5G is inside me. I'm coming to you from the Tim Gray Memorial Studio of the Airwaves. You want to get on on the studio naming action? Go to patreon.com slash laser time and join at the $20 level. Who else is here with me? Oh, still editing Oscar time 2021, Chris Antista. And... Hey everybody, this here is Frank from Frank's Beach. How's it going? Uh, oh, it's Matthew Frank. Allen. They're hey. messing with their lights and they're wrecking your phones. Oh, they're trying to come after you for telling the truth. Oh, Jesse, it. Jesse, Jesse, we need you. He is Jesse Ventura. We can't forget that. Hey, Matthew Allen. Uh, so yeah, it's just the three of us because, as I said, I just got my second COVID shot and I didn't want to have to cancel on anyone who wasn't a regular in case I got sick with side effects or whatever but it's great you should all do it it's it's necessary if you want to rejoin society and be a tool for the new world order it's Uh, awesome i am no longer endangering myself or others yeah i'm trying to think of of a good analogy it's like it's like you know gambling without as much risk so it's like you know if you get covid you never know you could have an underlying condition and get it real bad with this Mm kind of similar like when you get the vaccine shot but it's like the worst that can – it's like drinking a lot of Coke or something. It's like the worst that can happen is, you know, you maybe get a headache and sugar rush or whatever as opposed to taking poison, actual poison. I mean you, you can have like flu-like symptoms for a day or two. but Yeah. Which yeah. – who gives yeah, a shit? That's the worst like, case scenario. I, um, I have irresponsibly before this worked through all of my flus, including going into the office. So, yeah, bad boy. Hmm. Bad boy. Yeah, I think if this pandemic taught us anything, it's don't do that. Don't mm-hmm. be that asshole. Oh, I know now. <laughs> I know now. Don't, don't I was be invincible. the soldier who goes in no matter what. Because you're a Marine. You remember how it was, Michael. I do remember. If I'm not here one day, everything will fall apart. Why are we taking a holiday break? This is awful. Terrible. Terrible. We've got an interesting topic this week suggested by one uh, Dave, David Rudden. You guys, Rudin, you guys hear this guy? David Rudin. Yes. David Rudin, famous painter. Um, (laughs) I I hid the man somewhere in uh, this week's laser time. Oh. Dave is hidden. You can hear him. Can you hear the hidden Dave? Mm-hmm. Listen, that's no, like a hidden to Mickey, but just way worse. It's yeah. wow. Tweet at me and win nothing. <laughs> no prize. Win mm-hmm. nothing. It's like a no prize, but without the acknowledgement from any editors. So he said, "Well, you know, in honor of MLB the Show showing up on Xbox Game Pass, which is weird. How about you do something about other Sony first parties who have." 
made games for competitors' platforms, like studios currently owned by Sony that at one point or another made something for a platform that was not Sony's. I got into it a bit and found some interesting history here. It's probably commonly known, but still fun to talk about. Yeah, Yeah, as I was pointing out, it's fun right now because it's still pretty novel, but now that Microsoft has bought up a bunch of like indie devs, like this is going to be kind of the norm of your it's going to be like oh yeah remember when bethesda used to put their stuff on every platform remember when double fine used to put their stuff which microsoft still hasn't commented whether or not that's going to happen i think that's still going to be i think the the notion of the exclusive is has gotten really weird or at least downgraded to timed exclusive with with game pass game pass could potentially run on any of the other platforms Hmm. even in i was gonna be i was gonna say like nintendo will be the only one in five years with any exclusives but even they have exclusive iphone games on their on their competitor it's 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 insane i think this is sort of the death of the forever exclusive well i think i think you'll still see exclusives like one console out of the others but like as sony i mean sony you know has games going on pc right now you know and microsoft's been doing that for quite some time so as always, the PC by people will benefit the most <laughs> out of all of this. Well, I, I think also, uh, you know, creating a modern console game is so ridiculously expensive. Yeah. And it's only going to sell consoles for like, what, you know, two or three years, maybe. So I think Sony has the right idea. Like, let this thing sell as many PS4s as it can, PS5s mm-hmm. now, and and then put it on PC as a sort yeah. of parallel not quite directly competing platform but also yes very much directly competing platform yeah i feel i feel like this is going to make the opening logos of these games much more annoying this mm-hmm. is playstation notice our brand yes. remember it next time you're in a walmart mm-hmm. <laughs> well, take, to take it from now. a guy take it from a guy who like yeah has done you know competitive analysis and he's he's tried you know compared sales of titles it's like you see the titles that are playstation exclusive and you have to remind yourself like oh yeah they were handicapped out of the gate because they're only on the one platform and I'm comparing them with these other games that were on all platforms and yet they're still phenomenal sellers. It's like, like when you look at Nintendo game sales, you have to remind yourself of that. Like, yeah, that's the best selling game in the top 10 and it's on one platform. Everyone else here is on three platforms. You know, it's wild to think of that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to miss the exclusive, I think, but um, I don't know, man. Bundle, bundle me with everything. Michael shared with me his Apple Arcade thing. Don't tell Tim Cook. Nope. Uh, nope. He'll, he'll yeah, come man. to my door personally and say, "Why you betrayed me?" I think it's it's gonna it's, it'll probably be less about individual games and pl- and it'll be about plans moving forward. Except Nintendo. I think there are analysts <laughs> who agree with you. Yeah, uh, Matt Piscatella. I talk about him on the show quite a bit. He's a good follow on Twitter. That's what he says. He's like, "Yeah, the future of this industry is subscription models." Um, Sony is dabbling in it. They're, 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 you know, behind Microsoft right now with Game Pass. But even Sony's kind of like, you know, you boot up your PS5 and it's like, here's these PlayStation Plus, what, what's it called? The collection or whatever? Yeah, where, the PS Plus collection. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like, okay. You like know, your you instant library, which is what PlayStation Plus used to be when it first yeah. launched. Like those right. games did not become unavailable for a while. It wasn't just like a monthly rotation of like, you have one month to get these games. They they stuck around for a little while. Which all that did is change my behavior of, I'm going to log into the web shop, uh, mm-hmm. add the game to my account, and log out and not exactly. download it for another six months. Like, yeah, still do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But no, I, I, think, uh, I think with this collection thing, you can see them kind of poking around. And, and actually, a little preview for the news. 
there's changes happening to these uh, premium services, the subscription services and consoles as we speak. So things are evolving. We're, we're in an exciting place. It's never been a better time to follow video games. We have five games to talk about and a bunch of other cool stuff on the horizon with uh, new releases and news. So uh, let's just dive into all that right after this. Oh, Chris. Oh, Matt. People might not know this about us, but we are two hairy, ape-like human beings. We just got a lot of hair. Mm-hmm. Antista, listen to that name. I am a little baby gorilla. And that means we've especially got a lot of hair down there. But they also don't know. I personally love a freshly shorn scrotum. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a huge proponent of manscaping, and there is no reason not to do it. It is wonderfully hygienic. You can get way more days out of your underwear. Your partner will thank you. And once again, if you can trim back the tree line, it makes it look like you own more property. Well, sure. But here's the thing. It can be kind of a harrowing experience trimming the hair down there. There's bobs and bits and just there's too much that could go wrong, leading to some unsightly nicks or even a medical emergency. Many a time I thought I had things under control when they quickly headed south while I was trimming down south. And let me tell you, Chris... (laughs) It hurts! It not only hurts, not to be indelicate, but blood doesn't clot on some of those malleable pieces of flesh very well. It just keeps bleeding. That's why I was so excited when our latest sponsor, Manscaped, reached out to us. In fact, I was downright giddy. You see me wearing the Manscaped shirt right now. I'm like a walking Mm -hmm. billboard for Manscaped. But I would be even if I took this shirt off, because I recently did a little Manscaping of my own using their patented Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created with the Lawnmower 3.0. That's way more than Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hour rule to become an expert. These guys are like savants of ball <laughs> trimming, Chris. Yes. I have tried every technique. I've been manscaping for 20 years. The best thing I've been able to come up with before Manscaped, before a tool expressly crafted uh, for, you know, trimming back the nether regions, was either a lighter. <laughs> or a razor that had been so dulled it would cut me less. So I would use a razor on my face for like five months just to get it dull enough to not cut my genitals in half. It, I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm, I've been dying for this product for a long time. That is going to just put you in a bad place. But Manscapes, their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. None of that dull blade lighter business you're talking about. I don't even know what you're doing there. That, that sounds dangerous. That was mostly for the chest hair, but like Manscaped, yeah, dude, you can use this on your chest hair too. Sure. By the way, when I tell you this is a premium trimmer, I mean premium. The battery life can last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. That is a lot of bushwhacking a 90 minute shave session yeah that is like a like a george the animal steel level of <laughs> manscapery but but it should never take any of us that long and I, i'm telling you they probably tested it on hairy people like me well chris they have waterproof technology that even <gasps> allows you to groom in the shower forget shower wow. beers we're all about them shower balls, baby. No, my girl likes to watch me do this in the rain. It's a really weird <laughs> fetish of hers. <laughs> One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. I mean, we all need as much light as we can get when trimming the hair down there. 
That is not something you want to do blindly. Trust me on that one. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Uh, yeah, there we go. There we go. And let's not forget about the charging stand, Chris. You got to show off your mower loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. That's right. USB. You can literally plug this bad boy in at your computer workstation. Go wow. to town on your lunch break. Now, look, I'm not saying do this when we're all back in the office. This is definitely kind of a work-from-home-only situation. But who's going to know? Sometimes, for me, it's like a cutting the goatee on a basset hound. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be lifted up first. This is a <laughs> private endeavor. If you're listening to Chris and I talk about this right now, we want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. So, go to manscaped.com, get 20% off and free shipping with the code LASERTIME. That's 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com with the code LASERTIME. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. And we're back to talk about what? Exclusive things that aren't exclusive things. No, anymore. it's it's games from developers that became yeah. first-party developers. It's the but... incredibly strange creatures that stopped living and became mixed-up zombies. Yes. Sony, specifically, first parties that made games for competing platforms. And this is an interesting history for some of these companies and brands and games and uh, we're going to start off with what might be one of the very worst. Not just in this list, but ever. Number five. Did he just say Holocaust? I don't think so. I don't know. No, I mean, I think you're hearing some Rob Zombie. Yeah, there. it's Rob Zombie. Uh, it's, Rob Zombie provided the soundtrack for what game? Way no of the Warrior. Way uh, of every the Warrior. Every game on the PS1? <laughs> Not close. This is the 3DO. Yeah, 3DO Naughty Dog. And I, I didn't realize... I knew Naughty Dog had been around since at least the Genesis days. I didn't realize they'd been around since like 1985 and uh, making like their one of their first games was like an edutainment game for Apple II. Yeah, they had That's a cool. weirdo almost crash bandicooty mascot for a little while, didn't they? Uh it was it was like a dog with like a huge nose and sunglasses. Yes, he was very he was, he was very poochy. Yes. I was going to say it sounds like poochy Ex- dog extremely. with sunglasses. It, it looked a little, it had had a similar nose to Goofy and I think there was also something infamous where uh, one of their Genesis games, there was like uh, a woman on the the title screen. You could like put in a code to, to get her topless, which like especially in the nineties. Oh my god, what are you doing, well, Michael? They are naughty dogs. <laughs> they are extremely naughty dogs, and never were they naughtier than with uh, Way of the Warrior, which mm-hmm. is interesting. It, like obviously they they made other better games before this that weren't for PlayStation that predated PlayStation. Keith the Thief I think was fairly well considered. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a strain of weed. I forget they're they're an English company, right? No, they're they're American. No, no, they're in Santa oh. Monica, California. Oh my yeah. bad. But uh yeah, they they developed Way of the Warrior when the studio was kind of at a, a nadir, like they'd worked on Rings of Power for EA and used the money that they made from that to try and finance this, 
which they did for about $100,000 to the point where the studio was bankrupt. Uh, the the <laughs> actors in it are all, like, friends of Naughty Dog's founders. There's a little bit of trivia that, like, Shaky Jake, who's this stick fighter with a terrible Australian accent, is apparently the, the younger brother of one of the founders. Uh, there's Crimson Glory, the biker chick in gray mom jeans, who's, like, the, the ex-girlfriend of one of the founders. <laughs> and uh, they had to, like... Film the the sprites for for the characters in like a, an apartment hallway using things from around their apartment, like Happy Meal toys and pillowcases and shit like that. And if so, you, so a bunch of fighters that look like the set of Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> Actually, no. Mystery Science Theater three thousand has better production values than the fighters in this. These fighters look like a bunch of unassuming nerds in costumes. And uh, when they move, it's like some of them just have like the most exaggerated combat movements. It's like somebody doing just a really dorky looking dance. Yeah. <laughs> kind of is something you should see even if you have no interest in playing it. It's like a very low frame Mortal Kombat because it yeah. is like the it's like the animated photos of these people. It, but like when you watch it, you're like, you're missing so many frames in this animation. Yeah, it was it was very much a Mortal Kombat imitator, which was a popular yeah. thing at the time. Like, we'll have digitized actors doing martial arts moves, and it's going to be gory. It's going to have fatalities. It's going to have the robot ghost of Christmas past from the future from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Hard and for I tell a tale known to precious few and extend a challenge to compete with the greatest warriors the world has ever known. The victor will gain entrance in the Book of Warriors and his name will be law for centuries to come. Although nobody knows from whence the Book of Fighting came, it is known that it is the complete compilation of the world's greatest competitors, their methods, and their stories. Written by magic and the blood of champions, the book has been kept since before history and about magic. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're all going to tell the same joke, so let's do it at the same time. Ready? Three, two, one. Thousands of years yeah. ago. I mean, it's on, basically, it's basically that. It's a talking CG skull. That has, it's like a yin-yang on its forehead, but it's like three, like black, white, and bloody, and the- yeah, he's the, on the cover. He's, yeah, he's on the, the cover. The blood the is, is for the, the pain that is caused by good and evil clashing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it just keeps showing up and this is this, giving these seriously long stories. Thousands of years yeah, ago. thousands of years. It's, it's Mortal Kombat, but I mean, it does take advantage of the 3DO a little bit. Like, there's a few, like uh, between levels and stuff, there are there's some 3D in this game, like really rudimentary polygons. Oh yeah, right? like panning around a yeah, uh, Himalayan yeah. temple where all this is supposedly taking place. But also, <laughs> a, a there's a dancing dinosaur texture just in one of these levels. There is because one of the bosses is named the High Abbot, and he's a fucking Velociraptor. The world's greatest warriors have fallen to your skills, and your heart was strong enough to vanquish your dark side. But now the Cathosaptera, descendants of the Dragons of Lord, builders of the Citadel, lay claim to their ancient right of challenge. Prepare to meet the Cathosaptera's champion. So you fight a Velociraptor, and then you fight a giant skeleton, who's the, <laughs> the, the ultimate champion of evil. Um, yeah, this this game is, is fucko bazoo, but it does some interesting things gameplay-wise that a lot of other fighting games weren't doing at the time. Like, it'll throw in random power-ups and bonuses that you can grab, 
I'll, I'll ask Smash Brothers. Maybe Samurai Showdown did similar things with like they throw a chicken on the field, whatever. Did, um, did you actually see this at the time? I played it today. <laughs> um, I was going to say, no one could have played it at the time because we weren't millionaires, yeah, Chris. We yeah. That was like a $700 system in the early uh, yeah, 90s. Yeah, I just, I just don't see – I don't see what, what the th- – I mean, I guess it's 94, so like the PlayStation's not out yet. But right. like, why, why couldn't this exist on another system? Why did you make a – why would you ha- – Hinge your whole company on a 3DO exclusive and not put it anywhere else. Well, I bet they got money from 3DO to put, oh, put it, it on it, their Apparently, it, it sold pretty well. Like, I'm, I'm looking at the Wikipedia article. It outsold Samurai Showdown on 3DO. Wow. That's a fucking travesty. <laughs> Just one more tidbit. It was picked up. It was published by Universal Interactive because it caught the eye of an executive named Mark Cerny. Who would eventually oh, go wow. on to be the architect of the PS4. Universal Interactive, which would become Vivendi Universal, which would become Ooh. Vivendi Games, where I worked. It's your fault, Matt. Uh, it is. Most <laughs> 90s memory I had, though, was I was in a store, and there was a demo unit for the 3DO. And I remember at the time, I was a kid, I was like, $700? Are you insane? Yeah. Down the aisle in that same store, they had a demo of Shaq pumps. Remember Shaq had the pump sneakers or whatever, oh, yes. which were like... $200 at the time, and I'm just... This is madness. This is the most expensive store in the world. I'm out of here. Yeah, I'm having difficulty talking my parents into He-Man figures. I don't think they're going to go for any of this horse shit. Nope. <laughs> nope. Uh, yeah, why, why do you need a new Nintendo? You have an old Nintendo. Right. What are you going to do with Nintendo all your games? Yeah. Why do you need a new car, Dad? You already have one. Yeah. Right. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, but that's, that's... I hadn't thought about that. That... Uh, Naughty Dog and Vivendi had that connection way back in the early 90s, and then Vivendi later bought uh, Crash Bandicoot. Right, yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. Crash was a universal property at some point, and that's how so this, I ended this... up approving art for Crash Bandicoot Pachinko Machines in Japan at some point in my career. <laughs> oh my this God. is a real thing that happened. Wow. You're saying this exclusive, this first-party Sony company possibly inadvertently cost them one of their most bankable exclusive characters. In a roundabout way. Mm, is Crash Bandicoot really that bankable anymore? I think if you're talking back then. Well, back then, yeah. But yeah, uh, Crash but 4, it, I think, did all right, didn't it? It's yeah, about time. Yeah. It's about time. <laughs> but yeah, you what, can't what, not say the pun when you read the name. It's about time. <laughs> way of the Warrior is uh, it's a weird artifact of its time. It's yeah. it's worth yeah. looking up like a long play of uh, people playing it just to see like what it looks like and how weird it is it's, it's incredible it looks like mm. it looks like your metal loving dad is a fighting game character and i love yes. i was just looking the, the girl is like really small mm. it, i never thought that like they kind of keep everybody's height pretty relative in in digitized and non-digitized fighting games the girl is tiny some of the actors look really young too it's like you mentioned yeah. it's their friends it's like wait are these like in, are these people in high school they, they have like an off-brand mankind looking guy mick foley looking character yeah. it's it's I, really i do weird. love that the the uh, military dude the guy i'll stand in is named major gains <laughs> I think he can he can get big briefly. Uh, that was like grenades. before that expression existed, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Those gains. I mean, okay, we we were making fun, but mm. let's not act like this is the only game at the time doing that. There were so many oh, ripoffs. Yeah. Like we we've talked oh, about tons. Pit Fighter and, on this show it's, before. It's much better than uh, Kasumi Ninja, which was the equivalent game on Atari Jaguar. That shit Ooh. is unplayable. Oh. 
my goodness. This is I, just I, kind of bad and weird. Yeah, so look look up YouTube videos of this. Probably no need to play it at this point. You know, it's just good YouTube. Hey, I, all I remember is, is configuring a 3DO emulator is surprisingly easy, considering how hard yeah. those emulators get to configure afterward. The best one is in Russian, but you can get an English patch for it, so... Get an English patch, and you get Demolition Man. Three games in one, Hell and the yeah. only game ever to actually star Wesley Snipes and Sylvester Stallone. Only on the oh, 3DO Demolition Man. Nice. All right. Well, let's move along to something that's worse for different reasons. Number four. Damn, VC. They booby-trap their pads every night. Yeah, don't fall into the bungee trap, Cherry. You're the damn expert, Gardner. You take one. Sure thing. No sweat, LT. Damn it! Anybody else want to find a spring trap the hard way? Waste of a good soldier. Nothing we can do for him now. We'll pick him up on the way back. Uh, this is a very serious game, sort of. Are you sure? In every way <laughs> except its gameplay. I mean, as as about as serious as could be managed in uh, 2004 for play for for uh, Xbox and PlayStation 2 and PC. Then why did they why did they cast the same voice actors who generally play anthropomorphized athletes foot in commercials? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they 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 cast a bunch of different like fairly recognizable voices. Michael Bell, the voice of Raziel and Soul Reaver is in here. You've also got a virtuoso performance from the voice of Toonami, Steve Bloom. By 1975, it was all over. But not before three million Vietnamese people from both sides died to make it happen. And another two million Lao and Cambodians also perished. In Washington, they built a black wall. A wall with all 58,000 American names. The ones who didn't come back. But in 1967, the war was still young. Lessons would have to be learned in Vietnam. And in 1967, class and hell was definitely in session. You want to? But up next, <laughs> Samurai Shampoo. Uh, have we have we said who dire- who developed this? No, no, I, I don't even know what we're games. talking about. Yeah, this is Gorilla. Before they did Killzone, before they did Horizon, they did Shellshock Nam 67. And it was it was not very well received, um, partly because on the one hand, I think it has like two insensitive words in it. Two of its three words, mm-hmm. nam, nam, yeah. It's a this is like is this racist again. It feels like it is. It's yeah. trying to take a serious, sympathetic view, but like all the Viet Cong and NVA soldiers that you fight seem to speak a lot of English, and this guy is actually pretty wordy considering what he's doing. I will never surrender. I will die with honor for my country. Drop the you Americans. You're going to hell. Drop that gun. To hell with you Americans. Drop the gun. To hell with you all. Shit, man. Damn. And then you have a lot of combat sequences that are just Viet Cong in conical hats and pajamas pouring out from caves as you just... Wander around in the open shooting at them, and a lot of it sounds like this. You go home in body bag GI. GI. This is like we were in the thick of Vietnam themed shooters, right? Because Battlefield had just been to Nam that earlier that year, I think. Yeah, there was, and I think that kicked off that weird wave of like, okay, we've done enough World War II shooters, we need something different. How about Vietnam? 
maybe not. Maybe this is kind of a bad idea. Yeah, yeah, it's not as... Not that war is ever cut and dry, good guy, bad guy, or whatever, but, like, man, Vietnam is just a lot tougher to to tell those, like, heroic stories like it is in, in World War Two, you know? And mm-hmm. so a lot of these games, well, you heard it right there. It's like they're, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, and, and, and the game is spoken like someone who's never fought on a real battlefield yeah. and prestiged in real life. <laughs> you sort of prestige in this and that it ends with you, you know, your your green recruit eventually joining the special forces. But cool. it, it, I did it, mom. Yeah, it is just <laughs> like I, I played a bit of it and it really is just like move forward, shoot at everything in front of you. You remember how third person shooters were before Resident Evil 4? Your guy takes up most of the bottom of the screen. The, the crosshairs are in the center and you're always kind of looking over your guy's shoulder trying to figure out, OK, where is the target? Is it over there? And oh, I can zoom in. But now uh, aiming is super fiddly for as realistic as it tries to be. You have auto healing health, so you just keep an eye on like, all right, all the the bars on my badge in the upper left hand corner are filled up with red. I'll just go stand behind a rock for three seconds. Okay, I'm gonna keep fighting. It makes you wonder, like, what potential did Sony see in these people? That's what I want to know, like, because Guerrilla Games didn't do many things before getting handed the reins to Killzone, yeah. which was well, supposed the, to be the Halo killer. They were they were before this. They were Lost Boys. Which mm-hmm. uh, they developed games for Game Boy Color Cry and Little Sister, oh, Game sorry, Boy Advance, including uh, Black Belt Challenge, which has a terrible name for an actually fairly cool-looking 2D fighter. But Shellshock Nam 67 was their first game as Gorilla, and it was for PC, Xbox, and PlayStation 2. And yeah, for whatever reason, Sony said, "Like, yeah, we want you guys." To design the guys who three years ago were making Dizzy's Candy Quest. Yeah. (laughs) A Dizzy game. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think one of the reasons when you look at the history of Guerrilla, it is actually, it was founded, it was merging three different studios. So maybe Mm. people just assumed, well, they have a lot more games under their belt. So it was a merger of uh, Formula Game Development, Digital Infinity, and Orange Games. Orange Games was it's founded by the guy who developed Jazz Jackrabbit. So, you know, they, they had a couple famous games, quote unquote. So. And I'm just going to guess that, like, you know, acquiring studios wasn't really the big thing to do and happened very rarely. And these guys were pretty obtainable. And Sony probably wanted some Western type exclusives that they were having. And they were having difficulty making a shooter uh, internally at any of their studios. I can't think of any true. Is Killzone Sony's most successful first party shooter? More so than SOCOM and MAG? Hmm, I well, guess. Meg definitely. Early SOCOM was a pretty big deal. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, I know. We, we know from our old job that, like, uh, I don't know why that game's a huge hit in England. I'll never know. Hmm. Or over in, over in Europe. It, it, I don't know anybody here who plays it, hmm. whoever played it. It's so strange to me, though, too, because it's like, Gorilla's very squarely a European developer. Like, yeah. this, this was kind of a strange thing of, like, yeah, we're going to set up this... I, w- I would argue they might be one of the first. Like, okay, this is a premier European developer that's going to make our showpiece games. You know, like that, that became a big thing. And, and actually, one of the higher ups at Gorilla is now overseeing all of Sony's games division. It's Herman Holst. He's like overseeing the entire game's portfolio. He's the guy that makes all the decisions about their games. Mr. Herman. obviously everything they did after this was fantastic this was kind of subpar it wasn't really well received at the time i i I also find it like 
every you know you hear all conservatives complaining about woke criticism the criticism of shell shocked is pretty like this is tasteless and completely like well, just it, kind of a gross game it kind of it, it tries to be serious but it also kind of tries to have it both ways i think and mm-hmm. like yeah one of the reviews that i read pointed out like yeah all of your squad mates are completely indestructible unless they run into a death trap which is usually a scripted event part of a cutscene. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you also have to uh, defuse a lot of death traps. And what's weird is that more often than not, when I was trying to defuse them, they would blow up in my face and it just said, mission accomplished. You defused the trap. <laughs> Let me go on with all my almost all my health gone. I guess that's that's one way to defuse a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> making Let it, it blow up in your face. <laughs> Maybe they thought because they were in the Netherlands, they could be objective about a Vietnam game. Like, well, we're not an American studio. I mean, it's not like other games hadn't presented war like that and movies and that's probably what they were informing the tone on yeah so I, i'm not giving them shit for it i just i just like it contains looking at some of the reviews it contains <laughs> trains of thought i i didn't see in the games industry for like another 10 years hmm. yeah with with, yeah. with a lot of those uh like games based in iraq like what's what's the one i'm thinking of the um with Six the, days days of of no mm-hmm. no no the the one where you use the white phosphorus scene shoot the spec ops the line uh, oh, spec, spec ops, ops the line not actually Iraq, but um, yeah. Which yeah? Where's that one based? It's like Dubai. Uh, Dubai. Dubai. Oh, okay. Shellshock also had kind of a surprise in its voice cast. If you listen to the radio at the base, you'll hear this guy. You know, if life and country is getting you down, you can get a thirty-day leave. That is Billy West. Oh, <laughs> TV's Philip J. Fry. Um, God damn it! Why is he so be. available during this period? He's working so much, and he should be unaffordable. Billy West. Um, if not for uh, Frank Welker, he would be our greatest living voice actor. Yeah, without a doubt. But uh, Shellshock Thumb 67, not our greatest living game. But hey, it's a guerrilla game that came out for Xbox. So let's move along to... Number three. Um, is that their game where you jump on a bed? What was this? <laughs> is this Ragdoll Kung Fu? This, 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 this is, is a media molecule. Ragdoll Kung Fu. Yeah, and and actually, this is a little bit of a technicality in that it wasn't created by Media Molecule officially, which went on to do Little Big Planet, but it was created by the founders of Media Molecule while they were yeah. working at Lionhead Studios, and then they kind of split off. We're showing off Ragdoll Kung Fu. And it got picked up by Valve and became the first non-Valve produced game ever to appear on Steam. That's insane. It is insane. Um, and and it, like you can still buy it for ninety nine cents. It may or may not play on your computer, but it, yeah, that game doesn't seem that old to me. Like when I think yeah. about Ragnarok, yeah, it was like two thousand four, two thousand five, somewhere in there. Weirdly, the the history of it was that the the creators went out and, like, made a kung fu movie with, like, a hundred-pound budget. This is in in the UK. And after they made it, they decided, like, why don't we make a game to go along with this? So all the cutscenes are, like, just live action with, you know, the the programmers and their friends doing silly martial arts shit, like, out in a field with uh, power lines in the background and stuff. And uh, it's, it's silly and... The uh, the actual gameplay is bizarre and kind of hard to get used to. Like, you are controlling a little ragdoll kung fu guy entirely with the mouse. 
And what you do is you'll like grab his uh, one of his hands or his feet and then swing that around to make him kick. Uh, but you have to keep your chi powered up at all times by like rotating the mouse every so often. And then you can like jump up really high and just sort of fling your guy around the screen. Every once in a while, you'll get like nunchucks. And when that happens, it's it becomes super fun because you can just like wag the mouse around wildly and just, you know, whatever you hit will take damage. That's also the only game that I've seen uh, repeatedly use the, the term uh, shit him for, for like get him, uh, <laughs> fuck him up. There he is, shit him. If, you, if you've ever wanted to play Street Fighter in Gary's Mud, mm, kind of, <laughs> this, this is the game for you. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's it's all two D, so it's like it's it's not exactly intuitive, but you can figure it out pretty easily. It's not super difficult or anything. It, it's a good indicator of like this studio's design sensibilities. Like uh, I heard Jeff Gersman refer to them. Uh, as puppeteers more so than game developers sometimes. And I think that's a good way of like, when you look at all of their creative output, think, think dreams, think uh, the little big planet series, think this, even think tearaway is like, they don't think in traditional video game terms. Like they're more just out to like, yeah, how can we get this cool, unique movement out of these characters? And everything is very whimsical in their games, you know, and, and it works. And this is a good example of that. It's like, yeah, it's like if you were having puppets, fight each other in kung fu like <laughs> with cutscenes that are like this is like if the shaw brothers had no money and had to shoot in england in the 60s and 70s like this is what kung fu movies would look like mm-hmm. just bad <laughs> uh but but fun it has, but fun it has decent user reviews yeah recommended recommended mostly positive mm-hmm. yeah, but i'm, no, I'm it, gonna say this and i don't mean it as an insult but it's gonna sound like one like this studio to me a lot of their games end up feeling like really finely polished tech demos. You know, like everything they do is almost like a proof of concept. Like Little Big Planet, it's like, yeah, you can we can make a game that has a easy to understand level creator that the public can use. You know, it's more more versus just like a straight game. It's like, well, this is kind of a tech tool we let people play yeah. with. Dreams is very much that. That's that's maybe a little bit of what this is. It's still wildly fun once you get the hang of it and there was a more polished version that was made for ps3 called uh, ragdoll kung fu fists of plastic although it wasn't made by media molecule it was uh tarsier interactive i think or tarsier so games someone bought the rights to their kung fu movie that inspired their game <laughs> I'm, I'm very i just googled this and they're like more than one of these games exist it seems Hmm. Or maybe it's just maybe it's just that it was released so much later on PS3. Yeah, I think that that was the case. But uh, yeah, the the movie parts and the game parts are all just all the characters speak like some sort of quasi Asian gibberish that uh, sounds like this. They're very. It's a very British studio. Like you know, they they come from Lion's Head, and so they kind of have like that sense of humor in a lot of their games and you can see why Sony cuz didn't Sony like acquire them as they were making this it's like even before yes. this came out like like cuz uh, Phil Harrison went in a meeting with them at the time and apparently it was just like 
wowed by their presentation and stuff like that. And he was basically just sold on more their personality and their vision versus mm-hmm. any of their actual output. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it also see, says something. Can I see the presentation? Because the presentation I do see should not have sold anybody on anything. <laughs> what the hell? I mean, it sold Valve. And I think I think they went in and made a separate presentation to Sony with what was like a prototype of Little Big Planet. They did, yeah. But, yeah. but uh, I, I think it says something that so they were originally employees at uh, Bullfrog Interactive, which was uh, Peter Molyneux's company that made Syndicate and Populous and games like that. And when he he started a new company, Lionhead, they were his first employees. Like he brought okay. them along with him first. That speaks volumes about their ability. And then they they made this, and it's like, wow, this is. A really hot ass tech demo. Let's let's get in on this. Yeah, Valve wanted it immediately, and I, it I makes think- me wonder if if they were part of his the Polynew Poly secret sauce, right? Because he after they left and stuff like Lionhead didn't put out that much stuff, right? They did like mm-hmm. a couple Fable games, and then I don't know. Maybe the they seem to lose game. some of their charm as a studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me if those guys were a big. Part I mean, of there it. has to be. Can you imagine like what a, a AAA game maker would fucking look like on Steam? I'm sure there's there's some that exist, but one that like Valve got behind and incorporate like, like the same way all the source games are incorporated into Steam Filmmaker. Can you imagine a little Big Planet or Dreams Valve? Oh, you published? mean like a Steam exclusive that like, like Valve? Yeah, like it's it's like something you can genuinely feel mad about being denied because it's just one other feather in Sony's cap where this the the steam community would have been supporting this oh, yeah. with thousands of players for decades it on makes end. me wonder why valve didn't pursue that as a strategy like if they knew we're going to have a storefront and that's how we're going to make most of our money moving forward if you like you want to sell hats right like <laughs> why not just go out and do what sony does or microsoft does and and pay a bunch of developers to develop exclusively for their platform but you it tells you something that they didn't need to, and they're still raking in the dough, and they still make up a majority of the PC market, you know? So, like like a yeah. vast majority. But Valve doesn't make games anymore, and they're probably not going to make games that are about making games. Yeah. So there. Yeah. Well, Half-Life Alex is pretty good. That's true. That's true. You can't say they don't entirely make games anymore. I know. I'm just being. I, I thought people liked liked it when gamers were cynical. You seen Twitter? Yeah, yeah good point. <laughs> I thought we outgrew our cynicism. We're too old. Yeah, yeah, too, too old to care about things I don't care about. <laughs> right. Cyn- cynicism was for our 30s. Now we're in our 40s. We're like, ah, eh, we don't have much longer left. Let's I'm just supposed let to eat everything, go. and everyone wants to hear my opinion. Yeah. We'll all be dead <laughs> in 10 years. Who cares? <laughs> let me tell you I about the you things guys, that my, I like. My theory is it's the Marcus Phoenix theories. It's like. I'm too old. I don't need to have an opinion about everything. It's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. That's insane. Uh, but anyway, Ragdoll Kung Fu is fun, but a sure. bigger surprise is maybe this one. Number two. So that weirdness is an N64 game titled What, Matt? Rocket Robot on Wheels. Yes, and uh, this was published by Ubisoft from the N64, created by Sucker Punch. The, the people behind infamous Ghost of Tsushima, Sly Cooper, uh, got their I was start. Say, what do we? Oh, what do we? Rocket uh, colon Robot on Wheels. I thought it, it was Rocket Robot. We're in a robot. weird spot with Sucker Punch, where like 
how do we refer to them now? Because they used to be to me the Sly Cooper studio. Mm-hmm. Then they became the infamous studio. Are they the Ghost of Tsushima studio now? I guess, mm. yeah. I still think of them as the Sly Cooper studio. I don't know. It's just maybe that's because I'm old. I mean, they haven't made a Sly Cooper game in a very long time. This is true. But, uh, but those Rocket... are great games. So Sucker Punch was founded by former Microsoft employees who left to go make games. And the first game that they made was Rocket Robot on Wheels. They came up with it as an N64 game and uh, tried to get Nintendo to publish it. Nintendo said no. And so they just worked on it on PC, came up with a prototype, uh, and a year later went back to Nintendo and said, how about now? And they're like, okay, we'll give you development kits, but we're not publishing this. And uh, (laughs) they shopped it around to a couple of other studios. Sony was one of them. Uh, but Sony was uncomfortable with the stipulation that, like, no, we, we still want to make this for N64 first, then we'll port it to PlayStation. And they're like, eh, nah. What was the point of that, kids? Yeah. Get out of my office. <laughs> so eventually Ubisoft picked it up. And uh, I don't know if you guys have ever played this. I certainly gave it a miss when it came out for... Yeah, never. I've actually yeah. never heard of didn't, it. Yeah, didn't know this existed. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a low-key 3D platformer. But of all the platformers on N64 that were not called Mario, Banjo, Kazooie, or Conquer, it is among the best, I think. Yeah, it looks super charming. It is super charming. It also has really cool physics. Uh, really, the, the title is a bit of a misnomer. It should be Rocket Robot on Wheel, because your character is basically a living unicycle. Uh, you could have you called it a. Uh... Rocket, the first Uniracer. Mm. And uh, it could have been a Nintendo 64. Yeah, exclusive. it could have sold it as a Uniracer's prequel. Uniracing evolves. <laughs> <laughs> the idea is that uh, as Rocket, you've been entrusted with the care of this super high-tech theme park uh, that has a Whoopi World, whose mascot is a lovably stupid walrus. And Whoopi is almost immediately kidnapped by the other mascot, a fiendish raccoon named Jojo who uh, bonks Rocket on the head, steals the walrus, and uh, laughs maniacally. More of a maniacal snicker, I guess. Because he wants to remake the theme park in his own image, and so you will have to contend with creepy clown security robots and... Just go around solving a bunch of puzzles, winning some races, driving some cars, as, you know, unicycle robots are oft to do. Um, In my headcanon, just because of how he rolls around, I want to believe they just couldn't get the Gizmo Duck license. Mm. And this was a Gizmo Duck license game. That would have been dope. Mm. <laughs> yeah, the- blather and blather, Skype! <laughs> <laughs> Navigation can actually be a little bit tricky because, like, he is a, a rolling character. So, like, there there is a, a, that little bit of momentum that carries him along when you want to stop moving. Uh, it can be a little difficult to line up jumps at first. But it, it, it kind of has its own rhythms and its own physics. And once you get used to that, like, it, it becomes really fun and rewarding. It's cool. It's Sucker Punch. It's them showing off their chops at an early age. Yeah. That then went yeah. on to make some of the best games on PlayStation. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, the the Sly Cooper games are basically platformers, right? Yeah. Like they're kind of yeah, totally, and they're they're kind of like like my favorite Sony first party group mm. for some reason. Yeah, that was uh, one of my favorite moments of uh, Astro's Playroom is recognizing the Sly Cooper. I'm like, oh, there's the oh, I see the little thing. Mm-hmm. More so even than like that moment where I had to work for it in Ghost of Tsushima and like put on the costume and he 
kind of look like him. I'm like, yeah. no, hell no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I got a trophy. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It helped me get my platinum. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Rocket Robot on Wheels. Lots of fun. A uh, little overlooked title for the N64. But uh, if you want to talk about sheer quality, I think this is easily the best on the list. Uh, I'll give you guys a hint. This is the studio that gave us Ratchet and Clank. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is uh, Sunset Overdrive. Mm -hmm. This is Insomniac, yeah? Yep. This, this, this... This seems like a if, if video game if uh, video game studios and first party publishers were a couple about to break up, this seems like a trial separation. Yeah. <laughs> this oh was, yeah, yeah. This was like uh, the parents were separated, and the dad sees the mom out on a date with a better looking guy or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Sony, if you don't put a ring on this finger, I'm going to go out and play the field. Find right. someone and, else. And, but you then the do dad that. Like, got his act together, got into shape, and got back with the mom. Because that's mm-hmm. basically what happened with yeah. Insomniac and Sony. They're like, okay, we'll give you Spider-Man. Yeah. Come on. Well, it's, like, for, it, it's weird because like since the early days, like even uh, Insomniac's very first game, Disruptor, was a PlayStation exclusive. Um, and they, they always made games for that were PlayStation exclusives, the, the Ratchet & Clank series. For example, and then uh, at some point, they I think their their contract ran out or something, and they're like, okay, we're going to do new things. Now we're going to go partner with EA and make Fuse, and nobody's yeah. going to like that. So then we're going to partner with Microsoft. We're going to hook up with Dad's Arch Enemy and <laughs> make Sunset Overdrive as an exclusive. And it was, yeah, I don't, it I was don't Xbox it was One exclusive for four years before it came to PC. Oh, that's right. It's on PC, but it's mm-hmm. it was like not only an Xbox exclusive. Like, Mike, it was a big priority for Microsoft. Like, they really got behind this title. It was, I think, their entire booth one E three or like a big majority of their booth. Um, I don't know if it was a contract thing or like in this phase, Insomniac was like, it might have been creative because they were just trying new things. Like, maybe they felt like they were being put in too much of a box with Ratchet and Clank when it's like. I mean, Fuse isn't great, but at least it's different, you know, from what they were doing. And and this is, this borrows elements from a lot of their previous games. And then you can see, like, their future games borrow elements from it. But it's like, it combines, like, some of the zany, outrageous weapon stuff from Ratchet and Clank with the traversal stuff from Spider-Man yeah. without the swinging. And if you, you know? if you watch it in action, like, it looks a lot like 2018's Spider-Man, which was... Again, what made Sony decide to take Insomniac back and then buy it this time as a, as yeah. a first, like that that was a surprise to me, like knowing that Sony had never owned Insomniac prior to 2019. Right, right. I think they were we all they were that. a second party. They, yeah. Those are called second party developers, mm-hmm. where it's like, hey, we don't own you, but we kind of have an exclusive deal where you yeah. just do stuff for us. You yeah. Make Ratchet and Clank and never stop. Yeah. And then make resistance, and every time Michael tries to convince his coworkers to play resistance with him, they're like, "Resistance? That's on PS3." But remember, this yeah. is also uh, the reason I bring up the experimentation phase. This is when they released that Metroidvania Song of the Deep, which was published by GameStop what? of all places. Yeah, GameStop. That's wild. And like GameStop sold toys, and I totally bought one of the the little 
cobbled together submarine Funko Pop things. There, there was a submarine Funko Pop. Yeah, I was going to say it was. Uh, and that game is great, by yes, the way, and is. available everywhere. Like, go. Remember that, that came up. out right around the same time as uh, Aquatic Adventures of the Last Humans. Like, oh, I've wanted a submarine uh, Metroidvania my whole life, and then two come out within like a month of each other. Yeah, but but back to this game, Sunset yeah. Overdrive. It's one of those games that at first I didn't get it and I didn't like it because I mm. I wasn't certain are they self aware that this is all like or or is this like a thing where they think it's cool it's one of those games I talk about that like it dares you to like it it's like no fuck mm. you like me because mm. I really suck in a lot of ways I really well, it's suck it's in a lot one of ways. those that it's like I really like every time I play it like every time I don't play it for a while I like. Why did I stop playing that? I need to go back and play it. And then I get into it. And it's like, oh, right. It's it's something that, like, I really want to like more than I do. Like, on paper, it's everything I love. It's like, it's punk rock as fuck. It's acrobatic. It's anarchic. It lets you cobble together different weapons. It's silly. It doesn't take itself seriously. It's like Saints Row uh, mixed with Spider-Man, mixed with Sonic the Hedgehog's Rail Grinding. Jet Set Radio. Yeah, Jet Set Radio. Thank you. <laughs> And uh, then I play it, and I think I get hung up on the fact that combat isn't very rewarding if you aren't continually... Because, like, the mechanic is you you get uh, more points and you start doing more damage if you're doing, like, a bunch of tricks while you're yeah, also yeah, shooting you do things. Damage you can't just combo things. Yeah, yeah you, you have to be in a combo, and, and you have to learn how to extend your combo and it does yeah it, it's one of those games where if you break your flow unfortunately it's really not that fun because you have to like ramp back up but once yeah. you figure out the tricks of like okay here's the rails i can continue to grind on and i can jump up to this wire i can bounce off this umbrella and, and keep mm -hmm. the combo going it does eventually click but it takes a long time but the, that's what it, i hear and it, it is there is it because you somehow unlock things. In, yes, that's in, part in, of it. Is is your skill tree will unlock new ways to extend your combo. So when that game first starts, there's some good combos, but it, it, you're really limited with your power. So that's I mean, one yeah, of the reasons they do you to like it. Slow and unexciting, but like everyone I talk to is like, you really got to give it a while, mm. and then it, like it's an awesome game. Anybody who's finished all the good like, stuff's like right in the beginning of the skill tree, though. So you're fine. Just a few hours in, you'll get. The stuff you need. The stuff I was more talking about those is just like you know the stuff that Michael's referring to as punk rock. Sometimes you can't tell. Like yes, it's being silly. I think part of what would turn me off was like some of the marketing stuff, like that booth at E3. I'm just like, wait, do they get the Insomniacs poking fun at this culture, or do they really think like this is cool? Like it was really tough. Can to it tell. be both? I don't know. You can put, I, poke I, fun at something and still have it be cool. I, I, I do love the game, like I said. Like Once I got past that and kind of scratched the surface and and the mechanics presented themselves to me, I was like, oh, yeah, this fucking game rules, dude. I, it, it's really, really fun because, like I said, it mixes those outrageous weapons from their previous games with this kick-ass traversal system where it's genuinely fun to fucking just bounce around that world because you're not swinging like Spidey. Yeah. You're usually just grinding on, on rails or wires or bouncing off shit, yeah. you know. But. And and I love so the, the it's like typical post-apocalypse plot where like oh this energy drink is turning people into zombie-like creatures called the OD or overcharge drinkers, and uh, they they go nuts for the soda, so you can use it as bombs to attract them. They will try to eat you. You kill them a bunch, 
and uh, your your main character can survive pretty much anything. Like you can jump off a building, you know, and f- ten stories down and just roll and be fine. So why should he take anything seriously? What is this? A test? Damn right, it's a test. I met other survivors like you. They were more trouble than they were worth. That dead body over there? That one of them? Hey, dead guy. What am I in for here? Yeah, just go talk to the mutilated corpse. Why not? Yeah, it, I um, I used to just love like dressing up your characters. Like mm-hmm. the character creator in that game is great, and you can wear some zany shit. Oh yeah. But right toward the beginning of the game, one of the other things it does to dare you to like it, it it has tower defense. And throughout the game, there's not that many tower defense segments, or, or you can choose to engage with them or not. But they put it up front, and so you think it's going to be in a lot more of the game. And it's not really that fun compared to just going around the world killing dudes. And so, um, but yeah, one of the, because the, Michael brought up, like, you can set up these, like, energy drink things that attract them. Like, that that's a big component of the tower defense. It's like, yeah, lure those guys into certain sections. Then you have, like, these blades, uh, spinning blades that'll chop them up and all this stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those bits are kind of cool. But, like, without any tower defense thing, like, the downer is that, like, if you carefully plan a bunch of traps and everything and you still get overwhelmed and overrun anyway it's like oh no i have to start over again oh, yeah yeah that that those those are a little bit of a bummer mm-hmm. but uh but once you once you get past that stuff and the good news is like i said it's it's almost like it's an illusion like it's it's all up in the front of the game and you think oh wow this whole game's going to be that and it's like no nah, just just press through because there's not that much of that stuff and the rest of the game is really really fun yeah my my problem is with that that keep up a combo to to do damage thing like I'm kind of a dummy when it comes to like I can either do the Tony Hawk combo chain or I can shoot things. It's very difficult for me to do both at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and unlike Tony Hawk chain, you don't have to wait for a roof to respawn. Mm. Uh, like, <laughs> isn't everything dead after you shoot it? Like, how can you reset your line? Oh no, it's. The, I don't think the monsters are part of the line. Like, you you keep up a line of tricks in order to boost the damage that you do to the monsters. Right. Yeah, they they do give you a few tools like um, if you're grinding like a wire or a rail, it'll just automatically reverse direction. So theoretically, you could just grind back and forth and shoot people. But I think it's like I'm trying to remember if it's like Tony Hawk where you get fewer points for repeating I, I tricks so, and yeah. shit. Yeah, it wants you to keep doing a variety of things. I I do remember it took some getting used to like figuring out how to aim while you were doing tricks. Like the game, it has some tools and and actually some really creative ways around that, but it takes a while as a user to wrap your head around it. Like, wait, I'm supposed to do what to shoot now while I'm doing my tricks? But yeah, it works. Yeah. And I'm, 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 I was searching far and wide for, I remember there was something I thought was the coolest thing in the world. I shouldn't even bring it up. It was something, they were going to update something in the game every week. Maybe the TV screens. It was, was TVs. TV it was the TVs oh, yeah. and, the, and they, they did it a while, but I played the game way after all that shit was done. So every time I encountered a TV in the game, it said the same shit. It was, Oh, it did. Yeah, it was supposed to be like like a a newscast that like updated. uh, Yeah, that would dynamically change depending on what was new in the game or what you did. I'm like, whoa, that's so cool. I'm like, there's no way you made. That's the first person you fired. (laughs) Uh, But (laughs) I think they did that content. I think they did it for a while, and then but I just played the game so much after it came out that that stuff was all done. But it was one of those things. It's a bit of a bummer, like. Unless you were playing it at launch, you had to be there to see all that stuff because otherwise it's just gone. Well, I guess it's it's on Game Pass if people want to give it a yeah, shot. It is, so. yeah, it, it is. is. Yeah. Go go grab it. Go go have some fun with it. Uh, you know, 
play it however much you want. If it's if it's on Game Pass and you already have Game Pass, it's basically free. There you go. Yeah. Although, as I learned this week, there is a cost to the bandwidth that those games take up. Mm. Because, man, you will hit those caps if oh, you take yeah. advantage you, of Game Pass too much. You hit your cap this week, sweetie. Uh, I hit a cap. I hit a cap. Sorry. That sucks. Uh, that's COVID, man. It's COVID. You always hit your kids. No, no, no. no. It's also it's, Game Pass. That's it. It's <laughs> Game Pass. It was downloading update files for PS5 stuff. It, you know, you know. Can't just download everything. Anyway, that has been our top five. Oh. What was this? Uh, Sony first parties that made games for competing platforms. It's a great headline. Anyway, that's been our top five. Hope you enjoyed it. We're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some new releases, some news, some other stuff, so stay tuned. Get scratching. Do you like Video Game Apocalypse in 302010? Well, the LaserTime Patreon has figured out a way to combine the two. Over at patreon.com slash lasertime, we've taken a month's worth of 302010's games from 3020 and 10 years ago and grabbed the hosts, Michael Raparez and Matthew Allen from Video Game Apocalypse. And with our combined three decades plus in the games industry, we found a great way to take a deep dive into the biggest gaming anniversaries of the month. Here's a recent sample. It is the launch of Bart Simpson versus the Space Mutants. One oh, of man. the worst games I have ever played. Terrible. It's, it, it's terrible in a different way because, like, you get a lot of the YouTube snark over the first level, which is... And it was basically just a parody of They Live, yeah. which I didn't understand at the time. I didn't get it all. And once you get past that original level, it's just a shitty, shitty, oh, shitty yeah. side-scroller with no gimmick at all. Do we know the story? Is this one of those things where they had a different game and then they just threw a Simpsons skin over it to capitalize on, I, on the fad? Or? I don't think so, but it is the first one from Acclaim. But what I do like pointing out is that everything in the game, such as the importance of the space mutants, is all based on season one Simpsons horseshit. Yes. And and, and this this game, like it even puts it on the box because technically in terms of Simpsons references, McBain hasn't, hasn't been mentioned. Bart doesn't have a ton of friends. Lisa has no friends. We don't. We may not even know the name of her teacher. I would say the 18th most famous Simpsons thing, <laughs> the Space Mutants, and uh, this game reflects that. And it's about all you'd have to remember that. It kind of had those like proto Kodos and Kings right. that was like they had arms and legs in one eye, and they would show up like at the beginning and when you died. Development uh, obviously started before the second season of The Simpsons because yeah. there's no Kodos and Kane. So, in addition to weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive specials, you can get the 302010 Video Games Edition, celebrating a month of important gaming milestones every single month at patreon.com slash lasertime in exchange for just five bucks. And you'll support all of the Lasertime shows, including Video Game Apocalypse, right guys? Welcome back to our final segment where we're just going to not waste any time or uh, do false intros or anything else. And we're just going to hit this button. We're not putting up with your shit, Michael. No, don't yeah. put up with my shit. It's horrible. Why would you? <laughs> uh, what do we got this week? There's there's the intermittently available uh, Resident Evil Village gameplay demo. 
which you played. Which a lot of people were complaining about. So I was one of the lucky ones, I guess, that uh, Resident Evil Village had a gameplay demo that was... I thought it was real confusing at first. I was like, oh, is it just you can only download it from a certain time? Uh, But no, it was... You could only play it for a certain time. So last weekend, so by the time you're hearing this, too late, haha, but don't worry, there's another one. Not only could you only play for a certain amount of time, then they put a a cap on the length of time you could play the demo. It was only a half-hour demo. Hmm. Um, This as opposed to the Maiden demo, which lets you play as long as you want, but it's fairly short. It's just objective-based. You know, that one's still there. You can go check that one out. You can only play for half an hour, period, and then it won't let you play again? Or is it like the RE2 demo where you can then start a new session and say, like, all right, I'll play another half hour? I think it's the former where it will not let you play again. It'll be like, check back. You've, wow, you've really? played. You've used up your time. In the last yeah. Capcom download uh, beta I downloaded was Monster Hunter. So I'm used to this kind of behavior, but it makes a little less sense with Resident Evil. So uh, a lot of people were kind of correctly calling out like it, it is a marketing tactic. It's it's basically to create FOMO, right? It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, you have to be there. You had to download the demo by a certain time and play it for the certain time. Because the way they're doing this is... Um, they had this first gameplay demo, which was one section of, of village itself, which was kind of in the town, in the village. They, the next one is like a week from now or something, and that is just the castle section, like a little bit of the castle section. And then they will have a third one right before the game launches in May that lets you go back and play both of these sections. That's uh, a for, lot of demos. Like an hour total. It, it is. It's a lot of demo. People can speed run the first like three Resident Evils in less time <laughs> than it takes to play these three demos. Well, no, I mean, well, actually, one of my problems, though, is like, so the way I play Resident Evil games, and especially these first-person ones, is I kind of like to look around, soak in the sights, you know, explore, find all the cool shit, you know, and, and all the crafting stuff, hmm. all the weapons and stuff, because by the time I knew what the objective was of this demo, and I knew what I had to do, which basically was, hey, find this shotgun, find the shotgun shells, that's how you're going to fight these creatures you encounter to get through to get to this, the objective was like to get to this refugee house. Uh, right when I realized that was the case, my time ran out. And I'm like, well, shit, next time I play this demo, I'll be able to, to get You fired up it. the Resident Evil demo. I'm like, oh, I should have put the jewels in the puzzles. Oh, it was so simple. <laughs> I kept spinning in circles trying to find my character's ass to stick them up there. <laughs> I didn't like the jewels way the they ran That's this demo. But the demo itself was really good. Like, I was legit scared at one point in the demo. Like, uh... Mm-hmm. I guess it's a spoiler, but it's a spoiler for a demo you can't play anymore. Where like, there's one part where you you come across this field, and there's there's these abandoned houses in this field, and you just start hearing these monster noises. But because you're in the middle of like a uh, field, you don't know what's around you and where stuff's coming from, and it really does freak you out. Like, oh, f- I'm so fucked, I'm so fucked, and then sure enough, these werewolf type creatures pop out at you, and you, you got to kill them. And they are hard to fucking kill with the pistol, which is why I say you need to find that shotgun to kill these guys. So. There's some good moments in the demo, um, even though it was a bit of a bummer, kind of that not everyone could play it. Uh, I'm very excited for Village after playing this. And then I went back and played the Maiden demo, um, and that had some some pretty gross moments and cool moments in it as well. And I saw the big lady. I saw the big Mm -hmm. lady that everyone's excited about, and yes, it's very cool. Did you hug her butt like Dr. Grant? One of the greatest (laughs) images of the week. I did did see somebody saying, like, yeah, they they keep trying to dissuade us from this, like, you know, it's like, yeah, she's going to turn into something gross. Like, yeah, we know. We're fine with that. That makes us horny, too. And it's just like, I, I, I am a little worried that, like, all of the Lady Dimitrescu thirst is creating like 
I'm worried these people are going to go into this game and be disappointed because it's not about being relentlessly domed by a vampire giantess. Are you kidding? I, I, like, I need to send you my last DeviantArt search for Knuckles, mm. the uh, echidna. Like, the, yeah. no, he never did anything to deserve what those people are <laughs> fetishing. I, I hate to say it, but the damage has already been done <laughs> with, with all this stuff. Like, it's out there, you know, like... Uh... That was actually a cool moment of this demo, of the gameplay demo. Like, at one point, you go into this church, and you see a photograph of uh, Lady Dimitrescu, and you're like, oh, yeah, shit, I know who that is. That's that's kind of cool. So uh, she's, she plays a major role. And then my understanding is, because they, they did some press previews after this, where I think they got to play a lot longer. She basically is like Mr. X. She she hounds you a lot of the game. Like, she she's going to kind of, like, be stalking you. So you you'll see a lot of her. And what kind of deterrent is that? Like she's eventually going to turn bad, and like you know, you know, who else starts out alluring and gets to be more of a macabre, disgusting beast. Me, <laughs> like the, 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 me, like my girlfriend has to deal with that every day. Village is going to be good. It, yeah. It's well, of course it it's is. weird because it's like Resident Seven Evil. was like felt like more grounded in reality or more modern at least, whereas this one feels more kind of classic. Resident Evil, almost like four, and well, stuff feel, kind it, of like out it, of time, you know. The village aspect, and it, it's funny to me, just because like um, I, I was replaying Seven recently, and like it's it is very self-contained in a house, and they now we're in a village, and we will be in Resident Evil Six, spanning six storylines, blowing up monsters in in fucking New York City, in like the next game, they're they're gonna get right back to that again, because mm. uh, that's how games escalate. Yeah. And then do three more Operation Raccoon Cities, and then be like, okay, yes. okay, okay, back to basics. Yeah, yeah. But at least they <laughs> had the reboot. The reboot was yeah. fun while it No, I, I, still, I still really appreciate it. It frustrates me for the same reasons I appreciate it. I hate replaying stuff over and over again, then I look up online, but, but I shot the guy five times in the head. Why didn't he die for me? And then I ran out of ammo for the billionth time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, how closely does this tie in with the events of Seven anyway? Because well, it's the same main character. You're Ethan again, but as, from someone who's who's hasn't finished the seventh game, it's it's difficult for me to understand how you get to this point. Yeah, I got to go back. Um, they had that. They made one of those episodes free that features. I think is it Chris Redfield, mm-hmm. Michael? That, that yeah. yeah. I got to go back and play that to see because I think that bridges the gap between the two games. But uh, apparently, what what uh, the press are saying is like. The Ethan character gets a lot more fleshed out in this game. You learn more about him and why he's important. Because in 7, he just kind of felt like he was there. And it was really more about, you know, you're trying to to find your wife and and get her back. But in terms of, like, his story, there wasn't much of one other than he had a wife to get back. But apparently um, Village delves a little bit more into why Ethan is important in this grand scheme of things. So, I don't know. It's uh one one thing people were pointing out, and I hadn't seen it before, but like yeah, uh, they were saying basically Capcom's giving us the sequel to Bloodborne. Everyone's been demanding because like look at the art style on those werewolves and like the village itself, and I'm like, oh yeah, it does kind of feel like I'm walking around a Bloodborne town in first person. That's kind of cool, you know. Yeah, Plays yeah. nothing like it. But. Yeah, of course. Uh, have you did, have you had a chance to play an MLB The Show 21? I did. I did. Um, did I? So uh, the coolest part, you were talking about that PlayStation icon popping up. Um, yeah, I, I kind of like had this weird out of out of body experience when that popped up. And I'm like, wait, I am playing on my Xbox, aren't I? Like I kind of had to do a double take like, uh, and remind myself like, yeah, you're playing yes. this Sony game the on PlayStation your PlayStation Xbox. Xbox. 
I had some cognitive dissonance there for a bit, and I was like, what the fuck is going on? But but the game itself, um, if anything, with the reviews, I can kind of confirm what a lot of the reviews are saying. They haven't made a lot of changes since 20 or even 19, for that matter. I mean, it um, is a sports game. It, it's true, but th- this I mean, MLB The Show is is always rated one of the best sports games to come out each year. Um, I didn't poke around too much. Apparently, they did. They made some structural changes to Road to the Show, which is the mode where you get to create a player and kind of play through the minor leagues and make your way up to to the MLB or t- sorry, just to MLB. Um, I couldn't tell if it was just because it was running on an Xbox One, and remember, I have like the base Xbox One, or maybe it was this year's game. It didn't feel as smooth or look as good as as the games I remembered from previous years, which again were running on Probably a PS4. Probably because you played them on a PS4. Oh yeah. wait, that that should be relatively the same. Interesting. No, I mean hmm. Xbox One is less powerful than a PS4 in some regards, yeah, but, and again, but, this is Sony Studio. Like, usually, so not noticeably to the naked eye. Your, your shit's running like 900p or whatever that weird resolution is that pervades the Xbox. I couldn't tell if it was a resolution thing. It might have been a frame rate thing. It just didn't feel as smooth as when I played on PlayStation console. But the big draw for me and the reason I played it, it was included with Game Pass. And so if you have an Xbox, you have no excuse. And if you want to play a baseball game, the show is the best baseball game out there. So go go play it, you know. What about RBI? Or, well, I can't even... The show's Look, better. It's here, really here's, here's a question that sports fans are going to roll their eyes at. Uh, but we're on a gaming podcast, so this makes sense. Give it to me, Joe Buck. Sports games come out every year, I, w- I assume, mostly to reflect a new roster and a team triumphs of certain types. Did, didn't did we not have those this year? <laughs> no, we had them. I mean, the Dodgers won the World Series, you know? So you're telling Michael and I there was a World Series. There was a World Series. The Los Angeles Dodgers won it. Yeah. So. Oh, that's right. I remember they had South Park character cutouts. That's the only baseball <laughs> news that went into my first, head. First time since the Oral Hershiser days that the Dodgers oh. won the series. So uh, from 1988, if you'll recall. What a terrible um, name, Oral Hershiser. Yeah. Well, it's, it, what would it's, you it's name your kid Oral? Though, <laughs> you bring up like because of last year. One of the things I, I was looking for that I didn't get that far in the game to see is like, are the stands empty for most of the games? Because that yeah. would be kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, or they, or, or they can just look like every baseball game from like PS one to three, like just two D fans. <laughs> well, because yeah, yeah, that's what that's what a lot of sports do. Like watch WWE, yeah. they just have like two D screens that are the fans, right? And it's like mm. you know, developers are loving that shit. They're like, yes, no polys, let's do yeah. it. <laughs> I, I'm only aware of two games of directly acknowledged COVID, and they're both from Ubisoft. Uh, first was Assassin's Creed Valhalla, or yeah, Assassin's Creed Valhalla does it like in a modern day email, and the second uh, is Immortals: Phoenix Rising, which does it this week in the Lost Gods DLC, where mm, at transition. one point, uh, yeah, at one point, guys, have you seen my gods? Yeah, <laughs> well, Fe- Phoenix is uh, the 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 hero from Chris, the. Main they're game. omnipresent. They're everywhere. Yeah, Phoenix is now a god, and cannot. Yes intervene in the mortal world directly so uh they choose a champion named who's a woman named ash who uh then they they talk to each other there's a lot of banter like telepathic banter and at one point like they're they're talking about like oh yeah now you know what it's like to solve these block puzzles isn't it great like yeah no it's actually pretty fun i i i feel a little bit closer to you you know after what you went through like oh well maybe we can hang out uh, when, when quarantine's done, I mean, when I'm allowed to leave Olympus. 
<laughs> oh yes, that that mm-hmm. biting phoenix sense of humor, man. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's but, still something that like games don't really get to do. But since this yeah. has lasted so long, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. weaseling its way in there. It is, but yeah, uh, the Lost Gods is. It feels like a completely different game. Uh, it is all top down. Uh, you you have a new hero, new abilities. The way that you earn them is a little bit different. They, they all have to be granted to you by gods and this includes not just like the godly powers that you had in the main game but also like basic stuff like swimming uh climbing sprinting uh you do by doing quests and uh one of the big differences is that a lot of the game now revolves around these altars that you find throughout the world you find one and it will unfog a chunk of the map but uh you can uh give offerings at them to do things like heal or save your game. And in fact, this is the main way that you will heal or save your game because you can't make potions. Uh, you will sometimes be able to heal during combat. If like, you know, an enemy randomly drops a health orb, you can, you can heal a little bit and kind of stay in there. But combat, we're calling it a brawler style approach where uh, you'll enter a combat situation and all of a sudden like enemies will just pile on from every direction. They will come in waves. They are kind of relentless. And uh, you can die fairly easily if you're not careful. And uh, it will then knock you back to your last manual save. So if you haven't saved in a while, that kind of raises the stakes quite a bit. So, you know, if you're on the ropes, you might want to like, run away from a fight and hide and it kind of changes the whole dynamic of exploration like you're not Hmm. an invincible tank anymore that can just i'll just plow through and if i die i'll just respawn at the start of the battle or whatever like now the only way to save is at these altars like you have uh, to find there are occasional auto saves but it's it's not nearly as frequent as in the main game so it is and when you die and they resurrect you do they go why from the way (laughs) that would be kind of awesome Power up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I played through this. I had a lot of fun with it. I work for Ubisoft as always. <laughs> I'm just shocked that like the amount of content they've been able to provide for Phoenix players is mm-hmm. insane. Like it's yeah. like I I thought they would be done with the the um, last DLC, which was the China themed DLC, rather the the, the Chinese mythology. And then you told me this existed. I'm like, wait, what? They have another mode, and it sounds like it's an all new map too. Like you're you're it un- is an unfogging map. the map. Yeah, and so it's a new open world, but it is entirely from a top-down perspective like you the camera is kind of fixed at a certain point in space you can rotate it and pan around but you can't like zoom in or out Mm. michael can't do this so i will uh, i stand for ubisoft quebec city the team behind this game because they also did probably my favorite assassin's creed behind black flag which was odyssey Uh, so they're doing awesome stuff because Odyssey had a shit ton of content. Like if you tried to yes. play through all the Odyssey DLC, it was like a, it took me like two years to play that game with all the DLC. Like, man, they put out a lot of good stuff. So. Yeah. So it's out. It's fun. Uh, go get it's it. Awesome. It's available with the season pass, which you guys have again, full disclosure or as a yeah. standalone, not standalone, yeah. but separate purchase. And that comes out, uh, well actually would have just come out as people yeah. are listening to this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then the other one that, that we haven't had a chance to play because it's coming out as you're listening to this is Wonder Boy uh, Asha in Monster World. Yeah, which is a remake of Monster World 4. Right. It's And it's one of those, like, beautiful remakes where it looks like a movie. It's a cartoon. It's like, yeah, you're mm-hmm. just playing a cartoon at is this point. the sequel to the third one? Third, re- Sorry, the remake of the third game? A uh, remake of the fourth game. 
a sequel to, but they remade the third game. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I bought yes. that on like Wii U. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember like that. that. And that, that, yes, I, yeah, I the Dragon's so. Trap. Yes, that and right. Came out for it Switch. was gorgeous, and uh, for for a series, um, I, I, lo- I, I I don't know. I go very in depth with games of this period. Did any of you have like childhood experience with Wonder Boy? No, because nope. I didn't have it. Was it Master System? Right. Yeah, the closest yeah. I got was Adventure Island, which was like an NES remake of the first yeah. Wonder Boy. Master Higgins for life. Mm-hmm. I just remember seeing Master System carts for rent at like local mom and pop video shops, right? Mm-hmm. Not not like the big big ones. And thinking like at the time, like remember remember this Master System carts were like the that checkerboard background. Mm-hmm. It was like the white mm-hmm. with the, the I think with some terrible types. clip art image. Yes, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was just yeah, it was bad looking at the time. You're just like this doesn't look as good as my Nintendo. I don't think I want a Master System. But the, the irony is that the Master System games actually looked better than anything on NES. Yet all played worse. Mm. But but the, sure. I, 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 my, the most Wonder Boy I played, I believe, was the previous remake. Mm. And um, I, this this looks like a what, 2.5D, 3D side-scroller, as opposed to that was like a, car, like a literal cartoon you were playing. But I, I hope they include a feature from the previous games. I was just looking at the trailer... You could just hit one button and go into old mode. It's my favorite. Oh my god! Every so remake should do this. Cool. Like, it, it, did you guys play on cool. the Master Chief Collection? You could do that for like Halo One and Two. Mm-hmm. Or it's just like, yeah, just hit the shoulder button, and this is how. Because your mind, your mind's eye remembers it looking way better than it actually did. It was my that TV button. that was at fault. I yeah. was stupid yeah. coaxial cable. My RF yeah. switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, here's a game that. I can't decide if it looks better in the remake or not because of all the screenshots I've seen. The original, I don't know. It's hard to tell the difference, but Judgment. The Judgment next-gen remakes are coming uh, to PS5, Xbox Series X and S, and Stadia. Already looked phenomenal on PS4. Judgment is a beautiful game. So this is a Yakuza game? Yeah, it is a Yakuza offshoot, actually. Oh, okay. It is. It's an offshoot, yeah. You, you play like a detective in Judgment. There, there's some Yakuza, like, cameos and stuff there but it, and it's and it happens in Camarocho but um, yeah, and your partner is basically like uh off off brand Kiryu <laughs> yeah yeah you have a, you have a Yakuza partner who can like help you do some dirty work but like all the screenshots I've seen like the original on PS4 kind of looks more artistic like it has like higher contrast shots and stuff whereas like on the next gen versions because they can show everything they do and it it's kind of that do you guys ever play around with the hdr mode on your iphones like when you take pictures not really uh i i turned it off because it was uh taking up too much hard drive. it takes up takes up twice as much space because it takes mm-hmm. two versions of a picture but it's the same issue i've had there which is like sometimes the way cameras are designed pictures like without hdr look better because you know hdr basically is like yeah we're going to expose this so that every light source you can see everything but sometimes it's more artistic to have shadows and contrast that like an original camera does that's kind of my impression when i look at like the original judgment versus the remaster i'm like i kind of like what they had to do with the limitations of the hardware for ps4 it gives it a more artistic look to me at least really tough until you see a game in motion but what i would say is if you don't already own judgment on previous gen this is your chance to get in. It's only forty dollars. I don't think it's it's a full price sixty or seventy. Um, so, Judgment is just as good, if not better, than uh, some of the Yakuza games. So check it out. Yeah. But one thing uh, they confirmed today, bit of a bummer, the original Judgment on PS4 had an in-game pinball mini game that you could play that is not in the remake. That is yeah, bullshit. Did you 
play that at all. It was really weird because yeah. it like it it feels like the game suspends and then launches a separate executable, which it is, does. Yeah, but but it, it's obvious. It's weird. It feels like you're in a different game for a little while. But that's kind of always been the case in the Yakuza games. Like, when you go play the arcade games, it mm-hmm. takes a while to boot them up. And it's like, oh, it's just booting. Did, well, it's kind of a news item. This week they discovered in the code of Yakuza 6, which I'm playing right now, uh, they always have, like, the Virtua Fighter games in there. They basically n- discovered that it's not just, like, a pared-down mini version of the game. It has the complete source code to Virtua Fighter, I think it's Final Showdown. Wow. Is in Yakuza Six. The entire game of Virtual Fighter is contained, is emulated, and contained in there. It's not just like uh, a mini version of that game. So yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a separate executed. It's always kind of been that way. Like you can play through the whole game. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. But uh, well, I think though in that version, like you don't see some of the cutscenes and stuff like that. Like they do pare it down with how they present it to you in the game, versus they're like, no, all of the source code is there. Like if you if you could figure out a way to unlock it, you could. But um, the other thing that's I don't know what to call this, a remake, remaster. I think it's a remake. So, uh, but I do love the name for this because the name is super confusing, but a lot of people are just calling this near numbers. So it's near replicant version 1.2247448, blah, 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 blah. I, I hate it because I'm not a replicant. I'm a replicant. God damn um, So this is kind of <laughs> weird to me because the default version of near that came out in 2010 uh, yeah. There were two that came out in Japan. There was Near Replicant and Near Gestalt. And the yes. main difference was that in Replicant, Near was a teenage boy who was the older brother of this girl that you're trying to protect. Gestalt, he was uh, a middle-aged man who was the girl's father. And yeah. that's the version that came to the U.S. So it is kind of weird saying the default in this is the the teenage boy that was only available like as a DLC skin, I think. But I'm I'm thrilled because I, I was watching uh, like a I think a PlayStation blog preview of Near Replicant and finding out like so the original game was kind of a seven out of ten. Like yeah. it was, it was a game I really wanted to like more because it did some really inventive, fun things. But then the basic combat was a little bit of a, eh, it's fine, it's a little bit sloggy. Uh, but they are apparently retooling the combat for the remake so that it's more in line with what was in near Automata. Automata, yeah. great. That's awesome. That so that comes awesome. out on the 23rd, so we haven't had a chance to play that yet. Nope. Expect maybe some thoughts next week yeah. on that one. Very excited for that, strangely enough. Yeah, I mean, I loved Automata, and I'm, I'm anxious. I don't know if they went back and they, they did anything else to align it with kind of the Automata. Because, like, the storylines... Doesn't Automata take place, like, centuries after the events of Near Replicant? Like, I, I think thousands of years. And Near Replicant thousands takes place of thousands of years in our future, so... Yeah, or, yeah. Right. Uh, anyway, but that's all the new releases, so let's move along to news. Boy, kids, what's the matter with kids today? Um, Is that a real song? So, Do more, yeah. <laughs> that. That that Our is a song from Bye Bye Birdie. <laughs> song from Bye Bye Birdie, a play that I start as Conrad Birdie in. Damn it, I, I saw that 
I saw that movie. Whatever. Tune in for more Matt singing. Oscar <laughs> Dick, time. Dick yeah, Van Dyke, by the way, in that movie. Love Dick Van Dyke. One of my favorite classic actors. But anyway, um, sorry. Uh, Deloitte. Venus Van Lesbian. Deloitte did a study, uh, their digital media trends study, and they found that to Gen Z consumers, so those are people aged 14 through 24, uh, video games are now their number one entertainment activity. Watching TV or movies at home yep. ranks fifth. Way down the wow. list. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, 26% of Gen Z said video games are their top entertainment activity. 80% of the people in that age bracket play video games daily or weekly. Mm-hmm. That is followed by they listen to music, browse the internet, engage on social media, and then, of course, we got the TV and movies at home. So It's, it's really bizarre to think of television shows as something... Uh, the, the the friends I have with teenage kids, they do not engage with television shows. They don't, and and they and they did with Netflix when they were younger, but did not graduate into older television shows. And like, like wow, that's really fucking crazy. But movies, I don't know. Like, what what's the difference between uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and whatever movie they would have made with those two characters? It's just a long movie. Hmm. That's true. That's true. I, I... I find with with my kids, it's this weird hybrid of like they watch. I think there's kids watch a lot of kids TV, but then they uh-huh. they watch a lot of stuff on YouTube as well, yeah, right? Yeah. And so like the future of entertainment is going to be this weird hybrid of like you. I mean, we already kind of do it right now. Like when we quote unquote watch TV, we almost never are watching live TV that's coming over the airwaves. It's it's something on demand that they that, yeah. oh it's this show they like and they're, yeah. they're just streaming. They just unlock this show. Yeah, yeah. but that yeah. that is actually something that struck me. Like I was just randomly watching Cartoon Network the other day, and like the commercials come on, and I realize like more and more ads on Cartoon Network that I see are structured like YouTube unboxing videos. Like there's this. Uh, teenager or a 20-something person who's like, hey, I'm the guy you all know and connect with regularly. Wow, check out amazing new product. I'm a dude with a beard. Check out this game with styrofoam cups. Mobile games started doing that about five (laughs) years ago. Actually, and I had some friends that I worked with who were like featured in like these YouTube mobile game ads and I'm like, this is so weird. Mm. But but, yeah, pretty much like the, the Gen Z stuff, it's like the polar opposite. So like Boomers, their number one is is TV shows. Gen X, which I think Michael and I technically qualify. Chris, yeah. you're technically a millennial. Gen X is is still pretty high with watching TV, but we start to creep up on the video game stuff. Um, it, it just you could just tell it's like the younger generations get the higher that video games are their number one activity. So all, what, all what I you... like are movies, but I am guilty of that too. Where you want to make a small commitment to a thing. Uh, I don't have a, I don't have ninety minutes. I'm going to start this show that's half an hour and then watch all of them in a single sitting. Yeah, there's that too. And 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 how how do you think kids are supposed to feel about that? Where ninety minutes feels like hell on earth. I just took a drive on this drive my parents used to take me on. I thought, I thought like a week went by. It's ten minutes, uh, but as a little kid, time <laughs> passed by so much slower. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oddly enough, Michael, our generation, Gen X, has some. We're as miserable as we think because there's this noticeable dip. Like other generations listen to music. All every other generation listens to music at a higher rate than our generation, and every other generation browses the internet at a higher rate than our generation. So this just confirms Gen Xers are just out there getting shit done, doing work, and we are too cynical to like music, I guess. Or, or if we like music, mm-hmm. we don't admit to it. Uh, we it we all came of age when. Uh, 
Napster was a thing, so... Yeah, yeah. we won't admit to liking music because mm-hmm. we downloaded it illegally. Yeah, I, I spent five years thinking it was completely valueless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so yay, Vidya Games. Uh, also, yay, the PS3 and Vita stores are alive and well, yay. baby. Long what live What the fuck digital. is going on with I, this store? I can go back to ignoring them instead of desperately trying to download right. them all before <laughs> July. <laughs> Uh, but by the way, uh, fuck you, PSP store. You're still dead. Fuck you. <laughs> You're gone. Sony's like, eh, no one, no one buys them. Is, is that the case? That the PSP store is gone and the PS3 yeah. store isn't? PSP store is still I think gone. The PSP Vita store PS3. has been gone for a while. Mm-hmm. I, I think the uh, the ability to spend money there, yes, but not to re-download your games. No, no, no. Again, every single one of these things, you can download stuff you've already bought. That was never at risk yet, according to Sony. The Mm -hmm. risk was buying new games from all these. That was what was going to go away that is now not going away. Well, even, like, there's there's some limitations on the store now. Like, I I was going in and people were saying, like, oh, so glad to hear this because, like, that means the PS2 and PS1 classics are still around. No, they're not. They're Mm. still listed. There's no option to buy them when I go look at them, unless I'm missing huh. something. It, you know what it reminds me of is like a broke-ass Best Buy mm. or like you know like a store about to go out of business. It's like, yeah, the PS3 store is broken in a lot of ways because Sony does not support it anymore. And there's nobody looking it's at it to be Obviously like, hey, this... not generating the – as they, they, they told you, but, you know, not – Directly, it's not generating enough revenue to earn its rent. We had some friends of the show like speculating online. They're like, "Yeah, see, Sony realized you know people came back and spent money, and now that it makes a lot of money, they're going to keep it around." I'm like, "That's like a such a temporary spike. That is not why they did this. Yeah, they did yeah. this because it's a PR move. Because people were talking about it as a bad thing for Sony, and it is literally cheaper in terms of opportunity cost to them." To keep this thing running, which might lose them money, actually, with the cost to keep servers running and all that stuff, it's cheaper to them to do that, to lose money, than for the knock against their reputation PR-wise that closing the store is Yeah, it's, 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 it's why, like, after all these years, I'll never con- I have never considered replacing my iPhone with an Android or a Pixel because I have 12 years' worth of apps. Mm-hmm. And how many paid apps do I use every day? Almost none, but yeah. some <laughs> but, of them yeah. don't even work anymore. Yes, almost right. none. But I like I don't want to fucking void all my purchases, and that's sort of what you're supposed to tell your customers when they buy digitally. Like, like I have always... Ghost Trick on my iPhone, and I'm afraid to open it to see if it works or not. It doesn't. I'm... It definitely doesn't. <laughs> God damn it! I can. I was there when that happened. It definitely don't doesn't. Yes, <laughs> uh, anyway. only. That is the, that is some other Capcom news though. Two new Ace Attorney games coming. Yeah. I saw that. I was going to put that on there. I didn't know if you knew about those, but those are the ones. They're kind of like how the Yakuza series has their like samurai. These are based in like in the past, uh, right? Like hundreds I, of years ago. I did ago. know about that. I had to work on some Ace Attorney stuff. Uh, I hate its fans beyond <laughs> rationality because it was awful, and you're awful. And I see, oh, there's new Ace Attorney games coming only for Japan that take place in Victorian times with Herlock Sholmes. Uh, oh, and they're definitely not coming here. Oh, the next five years of my life will be terrible right. if I remain at this company. Well, now they're and, coming, so yeah. And now they're coming back, and uh, we can go back so to glad Capcom. I'm not there. Uh, <laughs> hell no, hell no, no. Um, so in more, in, so yes, we we long live the PS3 and Vita stores that you guys will probably never visit after next month. Hooray! Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and more Sony news. 
and this is a leak. And by the time we publish this, maybe the the leak would have been discounted. I don't know. If, if so, I'll edit this out. But um, uh, I guess Sony's uh, Polish branch leaked that there is like a PS Plus video service. So this was on their oh, yeah. their website. It described a video pass, which is a service available to PS Plus subscribers. Uh, start. It's supposed to start at the end of April, and it runs through April 2022, which is when Sony's supposed to stop offering video content for sale on PlayStation Store. Remember, we covered that a few weeks ago. Is gives you access to big Sony movies like Venom, Zombieland, Double Tap. So this seems like kind of like a Sony PlayStation Plus Netflix. Where in addition to games, you get access to a library of movies. I told you we would talk about subscription services. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a movie fan, I'm trying to think of someone ever describing themselves like, uh, type of movies you like? Sony movies. <laughs> Sony movies. I like, I like Sony movies. Yeah, like what? Sony like, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, Town and Country, mm-hmm. you know, like Phantom. all. You know, that, uh, that fighter pilot movie starring yeah. Jamie Foxx, you know the one. You ever see that one that James L. Brooks directed? Great. Right, as good I, as it gets. My my favorite Spider Man are the ones with Andrew Garfield. Uh, those are the good ones. <laughs> I don't know that it, it it seems like a great value add to PlayStation Plus. If it happens, wonderful. I don't see anything happening there because Xbox Live. I give it like another year, and we're just gonna it'll just be part of your Game Pass subscription. Oh, it's funny and you mentioned that, Chris. And but but then like but then like no one's gonna pay for access to Sony Studios movies. Because they there was an announcement that they're now going to Netflix and Disney Plus, they're and they're not going to start a competing video service. Sony is one of the the first companies to lose in that that. Does anybody remember Powers, starring the guy from District Nine, based on a comic I liked? No, that's the point. Is no one's going to pay for this on its own, but it is a great value add to PlayStation Plus, which people are paying for. If, if they so can, it's like, hey, if they can do it, but like, why bother? Well, I I think this is part of them saying we're no longer selling movies through our stores. It's like, uh, and apparently, this just runs through next year. So this is a, this is a way for them to get more PS Plus subscribers. But if you buy NAC, we'll give you a free copy of Ghostbusters Two. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever lets them compete with Game Pass, I guess. But you were, you were mentioning Game Pass and, and Xbox Live Gold and all this stuff. Um, so this week, uh, Xbox removed the gold requirement. To play free-to-play multiplayer games on the service, which uh, basically opens up access to over 50 free-to-play games, some of which I worked on. I worked on Neverwinter, a free-to-play RPG there, the Star Trek Online. But um, this, to me, it it's related to this series of stories that have all pointed in my... This is my theory only, but it's just like... I feel like Microsoft's, again, moving away from Xbox Gold to Game Pass... It, it was it, gold was already confusing. They finally undid all that stupid. You had to have gold to play free to play games this week. So right. like that that shit mm-hmm. that shit is gone. Like it, it they wanted to end it by overpricing it. Like just get Game Pass right. Ultimate. I'm paying for both. By the way, I am not. I'm not. I'm not very smart. I'm paying for both. I mean, what this does is it sort of devalues gold. It's like one of the advantages of gold is, okay, I can play multiplayer games uh, for these free-to-play games. It's like, well, now you don't need to for the free-to-play games. You still need to for premium games. That'll be next. Can you imagine? I'm just like trying to imagine if Apple charged me to use iTunes. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? It doesn't make any sense anymore. This is what you do. You shouldn't pay extra for it it, at all. Game Pass is, is the value. 
Game Pass is the is the biz, baby. Just get get your Game Pass Ultimate, fifteen bucks a month. Mm-hmm. You can play on PC, Xbox. We should really be demanding Microsoft from or money from Microsoft I, every time we talk I this know. up. I know. No, why? No, don't. You're tired. You maybe you, you, the listener, are tired of hearing it. This is how we talked about Netflix when they added streaming movies. Mm-hmm. It's like holy shit! I can get a bunch of stuff that I like for much cheaper than I've ever paid for it. Holy shit! I'm becoming a better. Like I feel like I'm becoming a more uh, well-rounded movie watcher. It's happening with games. I'm playing more games, games that I never would have touched, indie stuff, uh, yeah. forgotten classics. It's great. It, it, it's the thing that should exist, and everyone should continue to champion it. And I want these companies to lose money by giving me more stuff at the same time. Well, th- this week they actually they released an update to Xbox Series X and S that will let you play even more games, Chris, because they're, they're changing the way Quick Resume feature works. It's right now in their little like preview program, you know, the folks that get early access to Xbox features. But this is kind of cool. They're going to give you the ability to see your save states in games, all the quick resume stuff. So you can be like, oh, this is where I was. Or, or if you have multiples, like, oh, I, I can delete this one. I don't, I don't need to go back to that area of that game. I just want this one save state in this game. So that's actually going to be put in the UI of the Xbox consoles of like, yeah. So if you're one of the like one in 10,000 people who can get an Xbox Series X, congratulations. You're going to have a cool new feature eventually. That's, that's the next console right. I'm getting if I ever see it again. They, it, yeah. it, I didn't see the notes. Is, is there something about like XCloud beta testing started? Uh, no, nope. that one that went out last week, I believe. But yes, yeah, so it's it had been started for mobile devices like Android devices. Oh, sorry, iOS was, specifically. Yeah, well, no, this one was uh, PC. Is is what I what I knew oh, about. I, thought, I didn't I know about they, the iOS part. They yeah, the, the iOS stuff went out. I think the twenty first. Okay. Or, uh, I, I or think that's still limited. Not every member gets that. It's still like the pre. Yeah. You got to be in some preview tier because it, it doesn't work. <laughs> but but it, it's. I want to believe them. They're like, ah, that's a routing issue. I'm like, it's input lag that makes playing the game unplayable. And like, eh, we've seen it work on other browsers and platforms. I'm sure. I'm sure there's something to that. But there's no video of it working very well yet. The thing on yet. on PC that I would probably use that for is like. We talk about, like you said, you get to try and play more games than you ever could uh, mm-hmm. before on Game Pass. Is like, if I'm not sure if I want to commit to downloading a game and using up my bandwidth cap, like I might stream a little bit of it and go, uh, this maybe is or isn't for me before I commit to like downloading that entire game. Like, in terms of the PC streaming, that's probably all I'm going to use it no, for. I just, Unless I have, a, I have a very comfy couch, and sometimes I want to play games on on my the TV that I love, the big one. And my girlfriend wants to watch stuff. That's the time, like, I would, like, pull out the... I never want to connect... I never want that apparatus that puts that the phone on top of my Xbox controller, because that looks ridiculous. That thing looks ridiculous. Although, we had we had a fan, like, tweeting at us last week, and he showed me some samples. He's like, yeah. I have a couple of those uh, harnesses. It's fine. I don't... I, I... I have bad eyesight. I don't... I don't understand how that's fine. I wouldn't be able to see anything. I mean, if I'm not sitting up, I can't like play racing games because they move too fast for my bad eyes. Yeah, I, I want to clarify my stance on that because if some fan was tweeting at us, what I was making fun of was the games that try to do the virtual stick uh, yeah. on the screen of the phone. That fucking sucks. Like I could mm-hmm. not play the GTA games because I always end up moving my thumb and it's it's a pain in the ass. But with the controller, fine. I it's not. I don't do it. It's not for yeah, me. But I think but that guy was like, kind of agreeing with you about the the terrible virtual controls. I hate those. Everybody hates those. That's why the controllers work well. 
this is where I start to feel old is I know you can also like cast your phone to a lot of TVs where you could have like a full TV experience with a controller that's mm-hmm. just connected to your phone locally. Like yeah. that's it, kind of the future and what yeah, this is. It, it, it shouldn't be that What difficult. I'm forgetting about the PC streaming though is, is if you had like a shitty PC. If you if you have like a cheap laptop that has integrated graphics and doesn't have dedicated graphics card and stuff is like the streaming is your solution because you don't need a powerful PC to play streaming games you know it's just fucking video stream what if i have an ipad from the obama administration (laughs) i also have an ipad that's that old i think i I might have a couple of those lying around too yeah that works i I don't know if you picked up this news matt but it's it's so stupid i just wanted to mention it because it's come to fruition before there's been several quarantastic xbox executive announcements and there are in every shot, there is a Nintendo Switch behind them. Oh. And that has led the Nintendo and Xbox community, like, they're going to announce something. There's never been a Sony announcement with an Xbox in the background. And the last time Phil Spencer did this, he, he just had a uh, Xbox Series S sitting there that, like, no one knew it would, no one knew it would look like a, a book you couldn't open. Uh, from the side, I, I think. Uh, yeah, I think this happened. I think even Phil Spencer has had a switch in the background before. Yeah, he did. He's just a gamer. Or no, and there's another executive just today that did it from Xbox that did it too. So there's another. I didn't switch have in the that, but I had a different Nintendo leak. Um, so not huge news or anything, but you know that Lego cool Lego Mario thing that exists. That's like basically a Mario mm-hmm. robot. I hate this so much. There's an official Lego Luigi coming, but that's not the cool part. The cool part is how this leaked is. They updated the firmware for the Mario Lego, and he started calling for Luigi like that as part of the firmware. Like one yeah. of his vocal things was like Luigi, and people were like, "Wait, is, is there going to be a Luigi?" And sure enough, they confirmed. He's not it. my brother; he's my lover. <laughs> I require sex. So Lego Luigi is on his we way. You think we were just born not. looking alike? No, we do this I mean, deliberately. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to sound like a, a Fox News pundit, but. My best Tucker Carlson, can you imagine a toy that screams for toys and accessories sentiently? Blink, 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 blink. That's my Tucker. It does that. It does like he's in the room. You didn't look confused enough, though. Yeah, that's the Tucker stare. Tucker Carlson consistently looks like I just said the words. He looks like I consistently like I've just said the word squirrel in front of my dog. No, he, he he looks consistently like someone just took a shit on his front porch mm-hmm. and he walked outside and saw it and looked up and was like confused like who who would have done such a thing? Yeah. Like who who would dra- who would dress as an Elsa zombie? <laughs> Why? More Nintendo Why? news and this this is isn't necessarily newsworthy as much as it's fun. So Nintendo and its president Doug Bowser mm-hmm. oh. have filed a lawsuit against alleged team executor lead Gary Bowser for infringing on their copyright by creating and selling Nintendo Switch hacking devices. So Bowser is teaming up with Nintendo to fight Bowser mm-hmm. in court. It's Whatever. a Bowser v. Bowser. It's like Godzilla versus King I, Kong all over again. So you you also have that um, some like Bowser and someone else were charged with 11 felony accounts. Is it is it actually illegal to sell devices that modify something you already own if you're not pirating stuff like uh, if you're not selling pirated software i'm almost positive no but mm-hmm. if you're a small enough company they can ruin you yeah because I, mm-hmm. I think team executor i'm kind of surprised they've been around for a long time i think 
when I needed to convert my OG Xbox to run like code so that I could do previews for game magazines way back in the day, like I ordered a chip from them. You had to turn your Xbox into a debug? I did. It was cool. I think you just incriminated yourself there, buddy. I didn't do anything illegal with it. Yeah. Hope you like the taste of jail. I do. It's delicious. (laughs) New cinnamon jail. Try it. They're probably more nailing him for for piracy because Nintendo uh, accused him of running an international pirate ring. That's quote unquote their quote there. Um, It's like that smoke shop in town that would only sell quote unquote water pipes, Mm. a.k.a. bongs. Call them bongs. You're out the door, bro. He did this on 3DS too. Like 3DS was notorious like they had hacking problems so oh, yeah, nintendo the, the and bowser card. have been at it yes, for quite because a while, they were bad so. with updates people who update their console dynamically don't have that problem hmm. nintendo yes yeah. so it's so he's he's been charged before for his 3ds stuff and now it's happening with the switch it, it, it's one of those things where it's just like well yeah man like don't sell these devices to hack switches dude you know why not why not mm-hmm. it's legal <laughs> Why not? Uh, there's there's tons of devices out there to hack the switch. I think if you if you technically use a, a a headphone dongle, it's you're waving some right that you have. Hold on, this is neither here nor there, and you're ha- you're free to cut this out, Matt. You are. I just saw you take a swig of Coca Cola coffee with caramel. I can't <laughs> find. I can't delicious. find this anywhere. It's not only great, like it's the only energy drink I've ever had. Like, holy shit, I felt that. Chris, I was so excited. I ordered six of these bad boys today from Safeway and did the, and did the thing them. where they, they bring it to your car. I get the, they have the, the Coke Zero version. So I got some Coke Zero vanilla yeah. and Coke Zero, the dark, the original. Dark blend and there's caramel and. But even the caramel ones, which aren't Coke Zero, this is just regular. It's only 70 calories. It's like 70 calories. So it's, it's, I had one today. Fewer, <laughs> it's fewer calories than a regular Coke. It's also going quite well with my bourbon. And why Dude, wouldn't you do it? It's delicious. I remember I'm somebody so asked me, like, how does that? the Coca-Cola coffee taste? And, like, it, it tastes like somebody with no imagination poured Coke and coffee. But it's it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the kind cold. of shit, honestly, that when I'm drunk enough, I will do during this podcast. I'll be like, hey, you know what would be good in my in, in this coffee is some Coke. And I'll just start drinking it. Yeah, you know? it's, it's fucking delicious. And, I yeah, again, I've never had, like, a Popeye's that's like, whoa, I got that one. That was really good. I got my yeah. kick on that one. Yeah. Want more, and I feel like it's disappearing because like there's there's not a lot left, and I can only find them at like two stores. Again, uh, we're not paid to endorse that, but if Coke no. wants to sponsor the show, we'll take a case, or, uh, several cases of those. It's and something delicious. about it being like a little less sweet is great. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. a little less sugar. Yeah, yeah, it takes the edge off the Coke thing, and you don't. Yeah, you don't feel like you get a sugar rush, and but it's not just pure coffee. So yeah, delicious. But that's all the news that's fit to play. All right, well. It's time to move on to our community segment, which is always is segmenting our community. Last week's question of the week, as you might remember, was uh, tell us something unique or idiosyncratic about your hometown since we spent half the oh, fuck yeah. half of last week's show talking about San Francisco shit, sometimes literally. Uh, on VigilGameApocalypse.com, uh, Cold Pie says, I've spent my whole <laughs> life in the twin cities of St. Paul and Minneapolis, Minnesota. One of our suburbs is... I feel like I should be reading this in a Garrison Keeler voice, but I can't do one. Uh, one of our suburbs is the birthplace of the indoor shopping mall. That's right. The first mall was Southdale Center in Edina, pronounced Edina, or sorry, Edina. Uh, and it is still in operation today. As you may be aware, it gets 
darn cold in Minnesota in the winter, so in the 1950s, someone came up with the brilliant idea to make a huge building that would contain independent stores with all of one's shopping needs so you could spend less time outdoors during winter. Along similar lines, in downtown we have skyway systems that connect most buildings together so you don't have to encounter the winter when grabbing lunch at work. Think hamster tunnels. And our state university has underground tunnels which connect most university buildings. I guess what I'm getting at is brutal winters mean we have found creative ways to never go outside. I love it. Yeah. I love it. You, I you're going to love the 302010's discussion on uh, Toy Soldiers, a great movie that involves a lot of hidden tunnels around their university. Ooh. Did you watch that movie with Diana? I love that movie. I Michael. didn't. I love that movie. Um, Soren set Soren over California. Soren seven five five I've met Soren. I can make that joke. Um, having moved around a bit when I was younger, I don't really have a hometown. So here's some stuff of where I spent most of my time living. Astoria, Queens. That's right. I met you at New York Comic Con. Uh, choosing for a chosen for the setting of Robert De Niro's directorial debut, A Bronx Tale. That's the one where. Locking, unlocking your car door is an analogy for starting a relationship. Ooh, that's right. That's, that's the one where Matthew Bevilacqua get he, he stars in, right? The guy who got killed in Sopranos. <laughs> Matthew Bevilacqua, yeah, and the guy who actually killed another, he killed a cop yeah, in real life. Yeah, he's in jail. I'm still yeah, reeling yeah. from the idea that a Bronx Tale was filmed in Queens, but go on. <laughs> oh shit! You're right. <laughs> um, due to how little the neighborhood changed over the decades, much of the filming was done within four blocks, one of which was the building that my family lived in for three generations. This caused some issues with filming, as my landlord, who was a bit of a drunk at the time, allegedly, started yelling at them about how they were taking up too much space. My nana, ever concerned, called the cops on them uh, after seeing... Uh, quote, them smack this poor boy over and over and over again, not realizing that a movie was being filmed and ruining shots when she would open her blinds to see what was happening. But uh, not all not all was bad, as apparently film star and writer, by the way, Chaz Palminteri, thought I was cute as a baby. Oh. You, you're the cutest little baby. You, I'm trying to do my best, Chaz Palminteri. That's a good, What's that's the a good Chaz. Topic? It's a good Chaz Palminteri. He just mostly, he mostly whispers. A Soren's not a Soren that doesn't die. <laughs> uh, if if, if that if that's uh, if that sounds more like movie trivia than something unique uh, or strange, then you're right. Unless you want to know where the best pizza is, uh, Guados and Rizzos, and uh, there's not a lot else I can tell you about the place being. Astoria, Queens. Damn. Isn't the okay, Italian guy? It's not Guados, okay? It's not the fucking. Uh, yeah, those. It's Guidos. Gaudios. Gaudios. Oh, Gaudios. Gaudios. But Rizzo's. Uh, I mean, that's the the restaurant owned by a rat. Right? Yeah, that's the one. That's the one that's <laughs> still in Hollywood Studios in Orlando. It's owned by Dustin Hoffman's character. He's still alive in real in the real world. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> From Midnight Cowboy. Uh, Connor Wade says. So along a couple of other LTC members, I hailed, sorry, it's my Australian, I hailed from a, a port city named Newcastle in the Hunter region, located two hours north of Sydney. We are famous for a lot of things. Notable famous people from here include Yahoo! Serious! Silverchair. It's beer! Uh, Geraldine <laughs> Viswanathan from Miracle Workers. <laughs> I might have gotten that wrong. Uh, Miranda Kerr. Abby Cornish and Miranda Otto. That's two Mirandas for the price of one. Those those all sound like uh, sentient cars. 
<laughs> parts of Superman Returns and Xbox Origins Wolverine. X-Men. <laughs> X-Men Origins Wolverine were filmed there. And in 2007, a massive storm didn't want up. to get out of bed. <laughs> A massive storm washed up the ship on The Xbox Origins is launching, and they're playing Ninja Gaiden Black, they are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for dollar dues. It's only cool $60 sorry, sorry. dues. Please continue. And Microsoft bucks here. And in 2007, a massive storm washed up. That's New Zealand. Uh, a ship on one of our beaches, creating an iconic internet image. While we may never be featured in a game that isn't Microsoft Flight Simulator, FIFA, or one of the shit rugby league games, I'm proud of my town. Good day. Oh all right. Oh boy. <laughs> Let's see. Michael Appleman says, My hometown is Manassas, Virginia. Two major Civil War battles were down the street from me. My middle school and high school were both named Stonewall Jackson up until a year ago. <laughs> but it's probably most famous because the John and Lorena Bobbitt thing happened here. Oh, damn. Wow. George Zimmerman is also from Manassas. And he went to the same private Catholic school I did. He's only three years younger than me. So I probably went to school with him. Oh, my God. Wow. I, I think nobody owes a bigger gratitude than Manassas, Virginia, than Saturday Night Live. <laughs> they got a lot of, a lot of, yeah. Uh, I, what I want to do in a movie, I want to play a mayor to the smaller neighboring town. And I want to constantly refer to them as elites. From Monassus. Monassus. Mo so, so you'd be the mayor of Shelbyville, if you will? Mm -hmm. Yes. Sucking on a lemon, waving my fist in the air. <laughs> Those bobbit stroking, Zimmerman loving, <laughs> Monassian. God, that guy got a porno just for having his dick chopped off. He did. Everyone wanted to see the scar. <laughs> and nobody's saying that that town began with man ass so yeah, he, uh, every he th he th <laughs> if you haven't seen the porn he literally threatens to break it off in a girl and she looks shot and gross <laughs> so why would you threaten that i wasn't i mean he I wasn't, wasn't sure he didn't know. i wasn't writing leno jokes when it happened right. i had to do it here a and e frederick says uh my hometown santa cruz oh come on santa cruz there's been a ton yeah. of movies there is known uh for having a feud with huntington beach over the use of surf city usa it was uh, also appeared in such films as The Lost Boys. Yes. Almost featuring Dan Amrick. Patreon.com slash Oh, wow. Good Harold and Maude. Yeah. Us. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. What a delightful movie. Uh, yes. It was home to quite a few weird little cults, including Wiley Brooks, founder of the Breatharian? Breatharian, I think. Breatharian Institute, who claimed to not eat food. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sounds like bullshit to me. Mm -hmm. In 1983, he was reportedly observed leaving a Santa Cruz 7-Eleven with a Slurpee, a hot dog, and Twinkies. <laughs> nice. I oh. mean, that, none of that's food, so he's still good. Yeah, he's I do right. love Santa Cruz. It's a lovely little town. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just but a great, it's not Surf that, City. That, that, that boardwalk is not fucking around. It's the first time I ever played Mario Kart Arcade uh, in my life. Counterpoint, I'll, I'll... Matt. Fuck Huntington Beach. Uh, Kirk Honecker says, My tiny hometown of Cynthiana, Kentucky, has a claim to fame in two franchises. First, it's the town where the county fair takes place in Blues Brothers 2000, oh which I saw in a tiny theater in said town, and the crowd went wild for the mention of our town, not the movie. The second is that Rick from The Walking Dead in the comics was a sheriff in Cynthiana. My mind was blown when I opened the first issue and saw the same hospital that I went to when the brakes of my bike went out and I 
slammed my 10-speed into the side of a car and flew over the hood to the other side of the car and bounced up without any injury, but the cop who watched it happen insisted I go to the ER. Robert Kirkman, who is a central Kentucky native, took pictures for reference for the artist, including Main Street, the police station, and the aforementioned Hospital. Wow. Pronounced like a true Kentucky. That that story went places. Yeah, man. damn. Can I just plug Invincible real fast? That show's great. And it people, is great. More yes. people should yeah. watch it. Yes. I'm enjoying it. I love it. It's, it's got the gore of the boys, but it's animated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More gore. And I think it's going to mm. get even gorier. Because yes. uh, that guy gets the shit kicked out of him constantly in the comics, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. There's, there's I have a panel saved on my phone where his guts fly out of his eyes. Oh, my God. Yeah, he, he <laughs> does not live up to his, uh, his nickname there. He's not Invincible. <laughs> no. Uh, on Twitter, Pat Imbo says, My hometown is also Alex Trebek's, Sudbury, Ontario, Canada. It's a mining town that was so destroyed by pollution and full of rocks that in the 1970s, NASA sent astronauts to train there. Wow. For geek cred, our science center has cool metallic architecture and, according to Wizard Magazine, was supposed to be used as the exterior for Magneto's base in the first X-Men film. Oh, and our biggest attraction is a 30-foot coin called the Big Nickel, and it's where Letterkenny is filmed. Half the folks back home have been extras or are on the crew. I went to high school down the road from the produce stand. Damn, that is a gigantic nickel. <laughs> Michael, did you did you call Ontario Ontario like Sicario? I heard that too, guess, as, if, yeah. as if Ontario was made in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ontario, fine. Pitta-patta. Cut the chatter. Yeah, I suggest you let that marinate, Michael. <sighs> That's what I appreciate about you, Matt. Um, anyway. <laughs> hold on. I got, a, I got a new CRT television so I could plug in my old Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Oh, my Ontario links, man. I still love that version of Tempest. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> we have some video responses. First is from E. Hyundai, who says... What is up, Video Game Apocalypse? I'm Hyundai, and to answer the question of the week this week, I decided to drive out to my local dying mall. That's right, we've all got a mall dying near us, but my dying mall is a special place known as the Monroeville Mall. And uh, fans of classic horror films might recognize that name because it was the setting and the filming location of George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. <gasps> greatest mm. in the Dead series, in my opinion. And, greatest uh, mall movie. Had a great remake that was not filmed. In this mm. mall. I don't know where that was filmed. But uh, honestly, there are a lot of great movies made in Pittsburgh. And uh, I'd like to draw more attention to them, one. considering most people only know us for our fucking sports teams that I don't give a fucking nope. shit about. Uh, but uh, one I wanted to mention was I always used to hear Dave Rudden would mention uh, Adventureland and how he worked at the real Adventureland. And he'd yes. always say that the movie wasn't filmed there, that it was filmed at some other theme park. That theme park is Kennywood, which is where I grew up riding roller coasters and oh, uh, eating corn dogs. Uh, and I also just wanted to shout out to the Pittsburgh level from The Last of Us that I think is my highlight from that game, and that's one of my favorite games from the last generation. Uh, that's it, though. Love the show. Love the long ones. Keep them coming. Bye-bye. Thank you. Uh, we also have one from Gallatin Carhart, who hey, says... Good morning, VGA. Galaxy Carhartt here, fresh back from Walt Disney World and the Kona Cafe, I must recommend. Uh, go over there, have you two Lapu Lapus in the pineapple? That's good stuff. Anyways, answer to this week's question of the week, Crypto and I are working right here, is the question being, what makes your place better than somebody else? I hear you. I hear you. 
See, I could say uh, that we are the home of the Corvette, which we are. The Corvette was manufactured here. It is manufactured here in Bowling Green, Kentucky, the overpriced Chevrolet. But we've only had it since 1984, and people like to act like it's been here forever. It is a good paying job. Or I could say we are home of the Toppers, uh, a singing group from the 50s and early 60s of, comprised of four students of Western Kentucky University. But not many people remember that. I do, Pete and Galveston Carhartt. And, but what we'll, st we'll stick to Western, and I will point out Van Meter Auditorium and the ghost of Van Meter. See, uh, there was a student back when named Henry Clig that was with some other students uh, up on the roof of Van Meter because they heard that a plane was going to be flying by over the building, over, over Bowling Green, headed towards Nashville. Uh, as they see the plane, Henry and other students go running. He steps on two the uh, skylight on the top of the stage, uh, because the Van Meter Auditorium is a true auditorium, uh, and he falls through, lands head first on the stage, Ooh. dies. Don't, don't, don't. Okay, so this story took place in 1917, but it is true. It was, it, 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 everything happened as said, and for years, years, people have, have talked about the ghost of, of uh, Denny KU Van Meter. They didn't really find out the reason, though, or the what the basis for it until about 10 years ago or so. They figured out that the, the kid died. Anyways, that's that's going to be it. Van Meter Ghost. Ladies and gentlemen, y'all take it easy. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you. That's <laughs> weird. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I love a good, a good lo local ghost story. Oh, I, I also love 1917 because I am digging through those files for Oscar time 2021 where we did something about the movie 1917, and I like the, the year 1917 the most because it's the year the extremely dumb president, as of this week, still thinks the 1918 plague took place. Hmm. Uh, the no Spanish way. flu, he no still way. says 1917 plague because he saw a trailer on Fox News. <laughs> Jesus. You know what I love is you could hear Galton Carhartt, he, he upped the energy there because he heard what we said last week and he got it. Just over two minutes, which is fine, you mm -hmm. know, but every video this week got it under the two minute mark. Well done, Laser oh Time community. I can't Thank complain. You. I've been listening to three minute YouTube videos to find the right typewriter sound this week. It's very strange. <laughs> Meanwhile, I bet that kid broke his neck just to get out of going to World War One. I. I mean, come on. <laughs> Do your true. patriotic I get, duty. <laughs> I don't want to get bayoneted by a Frenchman. Yeah, who would? That. That's who they were fighting against. Right? Totally, yeah, no, they're totally fighting the French. Uh, wasn't, wasn't that like an actual misconception? Like, yeah, World War II was an American Germany teamed up to to beat the French, right? Um, Probably. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, uh, finally, one more from Joe Italian List Name, who says, <laughs> "What's going on, VGA? Joe Tino here, answering the question of the week. Uh, I'm a military brat, so I've lived a, couple, a lot of places." So I'll go with the two I've lived the longest. The first is Tallahassee. We retired there. Oh. Uh, I've been to Wakoa Springs, like it was mentioned on last week's episode. Sorry to hear that shit is literally pouring into the water now. Um, just the only thing that stood out is we retired there. We retired from the military there. Now I live in Nashville for reasons with my mother and my sister. Uh, the town's kind of exhausting and a bit infuriating nowadays. Tourism is at an all-time high as always because we have a horrible governor. We um, can always spot a tourist because they dress in really weird cowboy attire, mm -hmm. which is dumb. Uh, 
They want to fit in, man. I thought that'd be Texas. But it's infuriating to go downtown because of bridal showers. They're everywhere. They're on pedal bike bars and jacuzzi bars. It's annoying. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Would not have guessed the most annoying thing about Nashville would be bridal parties. I, I, I like to think that's the only notable thing about Nashville. <laughs> Nothing else. Nothing else Nashville. going on in Nashville. <laughs> I will always remember Nashville as the city I saw on the first day. Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. I, I saw that in an IMAX really? theater. Yeah. yeah, I didn't do anything else cool in Nashville. I just saw Two Towers. I was so happy. It's Peter Jackson's empire, everyone. Get excited. Any city that's home of something that begins with grand old, mm. in this case, Opry instead of party, uh, I'm skeptical of. Let's just say that. I don't know. I don't know. I'll take the goo over the gop any day. Sure. Uh, oh, it's the GQP now, so so you're fine. Mm. You got you to gotta go down to Gatlinburg, the arcade capital of the South. Oh, my. All right, new question of the week. Uh, in honor of Resident Evil 8's latest demo, what is the most memorable demo you have ever played and why? Um, it was a tough one. I know I used to play a lot more of them, but I think the the one that sticks out the most in my mind is Postal 2. Because that God was, damn it, yes! That was that basically was giving you all the best parts of the game right up front. And, I mean, it's aged rather badly for a number of reasons uh but just you know the the anarchic spirit in back in the the gta3 era of just getting to go ham on a little town with like ah, i've found a shovel i'm just gonna whack some people's heads off and then piss on their corpses i'm gonna pee in someone's face and then shock them with the taser and then set them on fire and then pee on them to put the fire out and then bash their head off with a shovel when they get back up again uh, yeah, it was great. <laughs> it was so much fun and so much better than the full game once I actually finally bought that later. I have I have three of my most memorable, favoritist uh, pick demos. Pick one! Coward, well, they're, they're one. all really quick, because like, they're okay. not like my favorite games or anything. Uh, I love that I have a legion of proud geek snobs who I watched go insane over the first Call of Duty demo. And that was before anybody imagine that not being a series. And like, whoa, look at the AI on those guys. They all have their own names. It was this a is, PC series. The, the it was, first Call it of was, Duty was like, hey man, you had to have an awesome PC to run this fucking. Yeah, thing. it was difficult to run, and all my PC playing friends were losing their minds. And it's the kind of thing if like if we're at a wedding in a year from now and I bring it up, they will put their hand in their face or deny that they've ever said anything about it. That's <laughs> the kind of dorks that they are. Uh the other one I remember I, I've told that story several times that once the Sega CD and 3DO era hit, I'm like, I don't think I need games anymore. These look terrible. <laughs> These look terrible. Not fun. I don't want to do this. I, if this is what games are going to look like. What, what are you talking about? I want to play as Marky Mark. I want to make music videos. <laughs> I want to my own music video. <laughs> uh, say how to your mother for me. Say how to your mother for me. A bunch of fucking stadies. Uh, never mind. But, but it, it was more... <laughs> It was more that, like, I remember getting the demo. I got a Saturn because I wasn't sure that the Nintendo 64 was worth it. And the Saturn came with three games. And then it had a demo disc that included World Series Baseball, Sega's baseball franchise, which I'd never owned, but I had seen. But you could see the difference in, like, oh, 
that's what this can do for older games who want to move forward. Uh, holy shit. And it was literally a baseball game that like, oh, I, I, I sort of see what 3D can bring to the old school and how right. we can enhance stuff. And this is like before Mario 64 and, well, no, it's not before Mario 64. Uh, I gotta be honest, Chris, as a fucking Italian, I'm pissed off that you didn't tell them you need to make a Tommy Lasorda's baseball. Make what the fuck Tommy is this Lasorda World Series game. baseball shit? He will go to his grave with the Sega hat on his head. Just like on the cover of that, the, the worst guy. cover of all time, Tommy Lasorda <laughs> looking bloated and high. <laughs> hey, buy a baseball game with the fat man on it. Buy it. It's but, great. But, it's but just the a most big hol- bloated face. We just won the World Series. I don't know. Forget about it. Yeah, it's like, like I, w- I wish they would have filmed like a commercial, a kid walking on a toy aisle, and all of a sudden there's like, Hey, kid, I'm an old guy. I'm like, what? <laughs> buy me. I'm Tommy Lasorda. You know me. Are you a baseball player? No! <laughs> Tell me sort of baseball for Genesis fucking rule, dude. That game rocked. The ball came up close to the screen, got bigger, and then went, got smaller as it went down. I'm just saying, you know? What? You just... That was a good, good fellas Joe Pesci line. <laughs> ball got big as it came to the screen, got small went away from the screen. What am I, Nobody funny knows dude? anything. How, <laughs> funny how? Funny how? Um, but, but, but a big one was Postal, and I, I, I don't know that... The Postal demo was notable for be- Postal Two was notable for being the first game you could you when you download a demo you were downloading the whole game mm. with the hopes of in a non Steam world unlocking it later for money. But you and, and that's what it always makes me think about that with time demos because Michael wasn't like thirty minutes and you could just do whatever you wanted. Uh, I don't even remember if it was thirty minutes or if it was just like gated so that you could not move to the next part of town. No, it, well, I remember because it was timed. It was a timed demo, and it was available for everyone. But it, unbeknownst to people in the beginning, it was the full game, and it didn't stay unbeknownst very long because within one day, people figured out how to pull down the drop-down menu, type in a code, and end the timer. So you had the full fucking postal game if there was a youtube back in the day everyone was posting things from postal 2 because everyone got it for free (laughs) and yet it was you still had to play postal 2 so who was the winner there no no that that is the perfect free game that shit is goat simulator it is (laughs) (laughs) with some really offensive shit i still remember like even at the time going into the convenience store it's like are you trying to make fun of Muslims or Hindus? Do you know that they're not the same thing? Because you seem to think they're the same thing. I didn't have time to think about that because I was too busy peeing in Gary Oldman's mouth while he was delivering Gar- Gary lines. Coleman. Gary, Gary Coleman? Coleman? <laughs> that would be Gary Oldman? You said Oldman. <laughs> I mean, Gary, Gary Oldman could play Gary Coleman. He's that good. He's, He's that, that good. good. He's that good. And everyone would let it slide, Tropic too. Tropic Thunder 2. Gary Oldman plays Gary Coleman. <laughs> All right, let me tell you about mine. Before you had your Metal Gear Solid Five Ground Zeroes, let me tell you about a little demo that nobody liked, that everybody liked, for Metal Gear Solid Two: Sons of Liberty, oh, I which came that. on yes. Zone of Enders, a game that you wouldn't have bought if it wasn't for the demo for Metal uh, Gear Solid Two: Sons not. of Liberty. <laughs> uh, man. Not only was that a demo, that was a fucking swerve because it had you think, oh yeah, Metal Gear Solid 2, I'm going to play a snake the entire time. And yeah, you did in that demo. That that, that demo was the part you played a snake. That was the extent of your snaking. (laughs) Yes. 
But fuck, man, that demo was glorious. I mean, Zoe's fine. I, I'm not a huge Zoe fan. It's it's a fine mech game, but like fucking, it was worth it for that demo. That demo had hours of entertainment. You, the ice cubes would melt. You'd shoot the flower, and it would create smoke to hide you from guards and shit. And like, fuck that. Metal Gear Solid 2 was so groundbreaking, and the demo itself was just like, yeah, this is this is what this game's gonna do. And never was I as hyped for a game as I was for Metal Gear Solid 2 because of that demo. So, um, yeah, you sold me on that shit, and it worked, and that was a great game. So, Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty demo on the Zone of the Enders disc. Awesome. Love it. So, what's the most memorable demo you've ever played? Let us know. Go to VegaGameApocalypse.com. Answer into the comments for episode 416. Alternately, you can visit the official Laser Time community on Facebook and answer there, or ping us on Twitter at VGApocalypse, and we will collect the best answers and read them on next week's show. Uh, anyway, that has been our show. Let's go some plugs. Uh, Chris, what do you got for us? Oscar time 2021, um, I can finally get to some new or old projects uh, because one of the biggest endeavors of my entire year is in the in the can uh, or recorded. I'm still editing it as we speak. I've been editing for 12 hours. God. I'm doing this show and going back into editing. It is it is my marathon. But I, 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 I never hear a ton of compliments on the sketches, and I don't need to. But it is one of the most fun things I think that we do because I know Michael and I kind of get a kick out of like weird writing assignments and then pretending to act so I (laughs) apologize but I I, I, there's there's 90 seconds you're going to hear that took me three hours to just edit let alone write and record (laughs) yeah (laughs) you you don't need to hear compliments I do so go ahead and throw them at Maddie C. Allen on Twitter Um, I sing a couple songs this year. I I act in some sketches. Um, go ahead, compliment me. I had a good time. Diane and I wrote the song, so uh, you know if you're looking yes. for songwriters, compliment so. Michael for writing them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, honestly, Oscar time is probably the most fun I have every year on the Laser Time Network. So check that out. Uh, yeah, I, I I make an appearance. Thanks to these guys for for letting me do my thing and and sing. And thanks to you if you do listen to me singing. Try not to be too harsh, but yeah, you know, you can hit me up on Twitter at Matty C. Allen. That's also my handle on Twitch where I stream games such as Yakuza 6, which I am wrapping up. Uh, and I'll be streaming PS5 games there now. So check that shit out. That's twitch.tv slash Matty C. Allen. And a uh, big shout out to Tony from Framework for coming on this year. Um, yes. Uh, check out his YouTube channel, Framework. Super dope. Yeah, if, if you're into video essays about Vigi games, uh, Tony is one of the best in the biz. He likes to approach games from angles that people haven't covered before, and he does a great job of that. Um, top shelf, top quality shit, so check it out. Framework on the YouTube. And he also does a mean Owen Wilson impression. Oh, wow. Wow. All right. As always, you can visit us online at VGGameApocalypse.com. Follow us on Twitter at VGApocalypse for updates about when new episodes go up. Or you can follow me personally at Wikiparas, that's W-I-K-I-P-A-R-A-Z, and I will not give you updates through that account when the show is up, except that I totally will. I retweet that shit. Who cares? Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week.
Kryptonian Immortal to competing once a century to compete under my watchful eye. As guardian of the book, I am devoted to the three true forces of nature, good, evil, and the pain caused by their eternal conflict. In an endless search for resolution to this struggle, I have yet again brought together the planet's greatest warriors, but for the last time. For the Book of Fighting has but one empty page, and it is written that the way of...